Here we go. All right. And welcome to Table Breakers. This is episode 12. And we're going to be discussing how to run a game and bring your characters that you are running for your players, how to bring those moments alive for your players so they really just don't stop wanting to relive that or enjoy something like that. And, and in a recent stream, I had discussed classic adventure modules that are well-known by many people. And the reason why I did is that I wanted to focus on things that the first and second generation game masters usually would go to for when their well was dry or when they just wanted to see how the designers would play their games. And tonight, we're going to discuss what we're doing now and if we took any lessons from those games to our tables today. So please welcome Connell, Kai, and myself. Man <laughs> hands. Hey, Thing. Okay. So. <laughs> and thank you, Hedy Lamar and uh, Indigo Dragon. Indigo Dragon, how are you doing tonight, sir? Uh, Andy, if you wouldn't mind, actually, let me address you as Connell. That's how your title on there. Um, if you wouldn't mind, Connell, would you just give us like a few minutes of your experience that you've ran a game for people and they're now talking to you about something that happened a month ago or six months ago or in a previous campaign, because I know you've had it happen where players will stop you somewhere, maybe not a game store, maybe out in public, maybe out in private when you're out on a walk at the park or doing something like that. But mainly cigar shops. Say again? Mainly when I'm at a cigar shop, I run into somebody I know. Yeah. And, and they discuss like, oh man, this guy he ran the most awesome game for us. And they start to describe a moment. What were you doing at the time, and what was the scene that made your players just fall in love with the style of game and the game that you were running? I personally, I like high fantasy. High fantasy to me is big magic, big coin. Everybody's happy. Everybody's not happy, but everybody's content and willing to see the mission out. That's how I uh, how I like it. Although I like I said, I do my share of common sense DMing. So, for example, I'm trying to think of something. All right, a couple weeks ago, I'm running Rise of the Rune Lord through Five E, and so there's always that momentary hiccup. Transover is like, what part of Five E do I use? To what part of Pathfinder do I use? And so I said, fuck it. Um, I'm doing 5e, so I'm going to start throwing in 5e monsters. Well, they're at the you've ran Rise of the Rune Lord, yeah, right, Bruce? Yeah, you know, the asylum part where it's a couple rare rats, uh, a necromancer, a cleric, and a handful of other shit. Yes, I decided to throw in a beholder because, well, why not? I'm running through 5e, but it wasn't a regular beholder, it was a zombie beholder. So it was a little less powerful than the usual beholder, but it's still a fucking beholder. 
Right. And anymore, there's things that we joke about at the table that people normally don't run in their campaigns anymore. A mimic being one of them, beholders being the other. So I threw it in there and they gate crashed the door. We're going to save all the people that are in, you know, at the asylum because some of them might be okay because we're the big bad heroes. They crash open the door and they have an undead beholder stare kind of wobbly staring at them as much as an undead stares at anything. It's like three nights at a quarter night beer house with uh, a drunk of the week. So this happens and, you know, they're like, oh, my God, it's a beholder. And I had one of the guys says, I didn't do the complete uh, line from the Eminem commercial. They do exist. And uh, they fight it. Uh, I killed somebody, which I don't feel bad because they were being dumb and, you know, play stupid games, win stupid prizes. And it's still being talked about. Uh, it's actually still, uh, last time I was at the, my local cigar shop where I go to, one of my players uh, goes there as much as I do. And, um, he was there talking about the beholders, like what made you want to throw a beholder in there? I'm like, well, it made more sense than putting a jackless cube in there, I guess. And so that's one of the moments I've had where a little bit of owl box thinking has definitely brought players, you know, back to that point in the campaign. Now, whenever whenever you've had you, you explain that position that that situation to us, um, what moment or what at what moment in your running of that game did you realize that like this is something that you probably need to just write down or jot down a quick note that you need to remember to do something like this later? Uh, right after it, because they're all you know. This is virtual. Uh virtual uh gaming top because you know most of them live in other parts of the country if not world but everybody was smiling it's like yeah we kicked the beholder's ass i'm like you know look you know and i wrote down pad must add more uh big eye monsters in the future yeah i mean i've been joking around about throwing a uh mimic at them and i know you won't do that like you well <laughs> Let's see about this. My favorite mimic is the house mimic. <laughs> I've got a, I've got a mimic story that I'll that I'll wait for a second to share in a second. So, um, but no, that's for me being a DM. Now, I like all of us. We have at least a hundred one different stories. Well, maybe not that many, but uh, stories in other people's campaigns where it's talked about. It's like. Um, the man who wears diapers was a DM to me for a while. And uh, I was playing a rogue who, uh, and he were fighting a young red dragon. And I said to that red dragon, ah, this one will take you to a treasure, a whore that's better than yours. DMs like roll that bluff damage. I rolled a nat 20 and uh, the uh, DM rolled a nat one. So the dragon took it, flew off. We got what we needed and got the hell out of there. I, uh, yeah, I, I would be pretty happy as a player if I rolled a nat 20 bluff on a, a dragon. I'm, I'm just going to say that just like I would be a little bit like overwhelmed with like a little bit of elation 
and I wouldn't be shitting my pants at the table, you know, or or on stream, you know, I wouldn't be like taking a camera on the phone. Hey, StreamYards, yeah, mobile phone. Just watch your phone melt, by the way, when you use StreamYards with mobile phones. And uh, you, you go to the bathroom and and you, you have that moment of like, oh, you you do you pull out, you you mute the microphone, but your your friends can see your face go from happiness to relieved. Just kidding. Don't do that. <laughs> um, Blaine. Yes. You run for a new group every semester or possibly a new group every semester. Every two semesters usually, but yes. Okay. So in the time you've been running, mm -hmm. uh, we don't have to talk about a recent game, but we could talk about one if you like. Um, what At what moment was it that you – you had something going on and you ran it for your table and your players just went apeshit crazy with happiness. Either they were like impressed with the way you're running or they were genuinely in the game in the scene. And, and what, what was the, the, the takeaway as a game master, as a referee, what would you do? How would well, you do that? Honestly, what I, one that stood out recently was, well, semi-recently was just simply letting players do something stupid and then let them have the ramifications that are appropriate and then describing it out in a detail that made them actually enjoy what happened like because you know how we always have these, these stupid plans and, and you know lose that gm goes no that's dumb you shouldn't do that or another player goes that's dumb you shouldn't do that no i had we had one in the, and the players are still talking about this one where one was just like I had given out this staff that lets you turn into a raven once per day for 10 minutes. whoop de doo It was like, so what, I, so there's this big, they're chitting down this bandit raider camp, and there was this, this witch who's like at, at the head of the of the bandit camp army, and one, and our monk is like, give me the staff. And they handed the staff to him, and he's like, I'm going to turn into a bird now. And I'm like, why are you turning into a bird? It's actually, he goes, I'm flying up really, really high, and he goes like, about like 200 feet in the air. I turned back into a human and I aimed my my soon-to-be corpse at the head witch. I'm like, wait, what? I'm using myself as a projectile. You're going to die. I was going to die anyway, but this is more fun. And suddenly I was like, wait, what? And nobody stopped him because we're like, no, no, this is your character. You can die. And... <laughs> Yeah. I'm all for heroic sacrifice. Yes. And he just turned like like I turned myself into a ballista bolt and I hit uh, like I was gonna a falling high velocity bullet. I'm like, do it. And we roll all damages and you know his corp uh, his soon-to-be corpse crushed the witch, killed the witch. Well, didn't kill the witch. The witch got up and then she got hit by the arrow and fell over dead. And it was pretty like this like this moment of everyone like that was pretty awesome for a moment and then but it was mostly because they were dumb and i didn't stop them and so from that point forward i'm like no 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 whatever it's not really about any form of me going no guys you got i'm here to be your your voice of reason no i'm like no i'm just gonna sit back and let you guys create your own memories and be it as dumb as you want them to be. Because usually, yeah, the heroic moments stand out, those awesome moments. And there are a few of those, like the one player who, like, 
stood there, you know, and, and pulled the one man on the bridge moment. And he felt really awesome, you know, dying, but he, you know, pulled that one, mo- you know, that one moment that he wanted to pull off. And, but more often than not, the memories that everyone remembers is always the dumb ones, like the dumb plans that work or fail in spectacular fashion. And those are what brings the players into it because they're like, no, 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 this is a great idea. Maybe we can just pick the person that, 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 you know, if the evil villain is down there on the ground going, just hand over so-and-so who's pissed me off and I'll leave you all alone. And the party goes, so we spare the entire city, but we throw the gnome over the gate over the wall. Yeah, tosses a gnome, and ever. at which point they grab the gnome and they go, you know, p- p- push him over the battlements and go, "Is this the gnome you hate?" And the villain, "Yeah, that's the gnome I want." And then they just pitch him, and as Xeric like goes, "I'll just reincarnate you later. Don't worry about it." Wait, what? <laughs> and. And his last thought as he goes falling into the moat was simply, wait, you're going to reincarnate me? And like, like, yeah, we're pretty sure he's going to probably kill you. But it's only be temporary. Our 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 cleric will reincarnate you. Don't worry about it. He goes, but I won't be a gnome anymore. You'll be, you'll be something far better. Just think about that. Far better. You could be a powder now. No, no. No, no. <laughs> you, could be, I, you could be like a human or anything else in the book besides a gnome. He goes, well, it could be a halfling. So there's one side, so you have one side grade. Bye. And it's weird moments like that, or that make them all go, this is, and, and they talk more about those, and they talk about the actual plot lines I throw, throw at them, which is actually kind of nice to actually go, no, no, we, we like the plot line, we like the story, but we like the fact that if we wanted something stupid, we can. And you won't tell us no. Like you'll tell us no, or you'll make it hard on us. But you don't tell. Sorry, you don't tell us no. You you let us find our own dead ends. I'm like, yeah, that's what gets you into a game. It's what makes you guys think about it. And suddenly they're like, yeah, there was that time I did this really cool thing. I'm like, yeah, you did. You did a cool thing. And all I did, all I was refereeing, and let them having fun with it. And that pretty much is what it comes down to. No, I I absolutely agree. You know, it's funny. It's the moments. It really is. It's 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 uh, the games that we play. A Dungeons Dragons or any other system. When you're a group, with a group of people, it's the books. It's the movies. Anything that we watch, we don't. You know, yeah, it was a good movie, but did you really catch the scene? Hey, this is a really good book, but did you read this part? Hey, last night's game. Yeah, it was kind of a drag with all the R uh, RPing, but this happened and this was awesome. Yeah, and that's what always pulls people back into it, and and that's what they all joke about or think about. They don't, they're not talking about like yeah, there is that like at the core, players want to be like reminded of when they were cunning or exciting or brave, or they pulled a fast one, or when they managed to like convince somebody. In a con job that should not have been conned. Oh yeah, yeah, and yeah. <laughs> you brought that up, or when they like make a friend that they should not, but like because when you actually look at a, you know, since you mentioned mimics, look at a mimic stat line. They're actually pretty intelligent and charismatic. You could actually talk to one if you ever found one that was conveniently, you know, amicable and actually make a, you know, talk with one for a bit, and suddenly you know. 
hey, yeah, you gotta worry about the speed ten gelatinous monster wandering around, following you around. But you know what? You make a deal with them. It's like, hey, we'll feed you like the you know when we kill an entire room, we'll feed them to you. Mm-hmm. And suddenly that, and suddenly that mimic's like, oh, this is like a bad deal. And suddenly you now got a mimic. Plus, when you all go to sleep at night, the mimic's like, hey, watch our stuff. And the mimic, I'll turn into a chest. And it's only the you know the thief. I'm gonna sneak up the, some some evil uh, some evil GM thieves like I'm gonna go steal all the party stuff and they put it in this nice chest. When the party's been carrying, you know, and the, the, the mimic's slow as hell, so you pick him up and you carry him around like a chest. And he's like, it's kind of nice. And and at, at night you put him down. He's like, oh cool. You feed him all table scraps. You give him some, you know, a share of a share of the corpses that you know, like he, he got the loot. He gets the corpses. He's happy. And now you got a mimic who's just like periodically eats people, and you're like, "This is a this is a fantastic idea." And who knows, you might soon have an entire family of mimics following you around. And why? Why? Because a player got creative one day and goes, "Hey, I want to try talking to it before we kill it." And suddenly, you know, those things stick out far more than, or you know, like you know. Or that one player who looks down the hallway and goes, oh, this sounds really bad. You know, somebody who's read I Tyrant and goes, we're in a cave, right? Yeah, there's a lot of mirrors, right? Oh, uh, shit. We're all about to die horribly. What? <laughs> beholders. Beholders. Lots of beholders. And suddenly you have that one, the one player who's like using, like, you know, like sending like, like semaphore messages, you know, flashing messages down the hallway going, we want to talk. And the beholder, uh, no. Um, about what? Um, <laughs> And and you can have a lot of fun with, with like you can either go at it with the, with, you know, with the standard GM thing of well n- no the it's an encounter you must just you must fight it and kill it and now you can, or you have players who just go wait these are intelligent monsters well they're evil yeah but the, we, we don't have a paladin in the party we don't have to play by this we gotta murder all things in the in, in the dungeon we, we'll probably have to kill it but. Let's give it a shot first, and and those those stories stick out much more with your players, and it's like they can at least go. We tried talking to it once. Yeah, we yeah. It said no. We had to kill it. Sure, no problem. But you know, there might be that one time where you get that one who goes, "This is these are my terms." Said the players. Well, those terms aren't actually that unreasonable. Um, <laughs> you know, I mean, so if we hire, so if we work for you, the Beholder, um, okay, you'll help us overthrow the evil wizard in the tower over there, right? Who's causing, who's overthrowing the entire, you know, you know, region. Mm, so you're telling me you want me to follow us around, go kill a, uh, go kill a wizard, you can have a tower. Sweet. Yeah. Okay. This is like a plan, and something you got weird deals like this happening, and players get more, more engaged. They they, they feel more fun. Oh yeah, I, I completely agree. Bruce, you're being awful quiet over there. I'm sure you got more. I guess some examples. Yeah. Uh, the, the 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 game that I'm going to reference is the one that we've all referenced here in the past, maybe two three months, where the players they knew they were in. <laughs> A dungeon, but they uh, they didn't exactly want to follow my my plan for them to continue this uh, exploration of the the invasion going on. And they found a portal in this dungeon, and there's you know, there's hobgoblins all around. So they decide 
we're just going to jump in the portal, see where it takes us. We don't give a shit. So one player stays behind, and the others just jump on in. And they encounter a big blue dragon, and they they have a half TPK after a failed negotiation or intimidation check. If you, It doesn't really matter. The paladin opened his mouth, and he was the first to die. And uh, ever since then, I get people, including that player that had the paladin, they're always texting me, or they'll be giving me messages on Discord, like, I can't wait for this next game coming up. I have an idea for my new character. Or I really want to get back and see if we can find a way to kill that blue dragon because my players start getting antagonistic towards an npc or organization i know i've got them oh yeah oh yeah i've done something to make them actually hate or strongly despise uh, a fictional group or character and that's what i want that's what i want at the table the really weird thing is that you never can know what's going to set off your group into becoming fanatical about being obsessed about hunting down something. I've had groups who've been like, where I can present an existential thrust threat to creation, and they will go, mm, not worth our time. And but but somehow, if there's a inter an international an international conglomerate of guilds who are Forcing them to actually pay actual market value for an item and for materials, and they're like, mm. suddenly they've got, got a big, a, like a massive vendetta against you know this cartel that's just ensuring that the book prices are actually the book prices, and that <laughs> if you're trying to craft it yourself, you still gotta pay book price. And like, no, but we. We can pay discounts because we're making it ourselves. Like, no, they're all they they already know you're already trying to rig the system and trying to profit for it. So they're trying to up the price so you're still paying book value for it to make it. But it's, you're making it yourself, and I don't have to say no or yes to it. And they're like, oh, this this cartel has to go down, and 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 they'll and they'll go out of their way to plan the downfall of this cartel. Hmm. And suddenly, I'm like, I have a plot line. I, we've already no no we are now to, totally in on this we want to i we want to uh, you know have cheap magic guys and cheap potions and cheap materials um yeah none of the yeah you don't get to do any of this to it uh, to it uh, to us gm and suddenly they're now their quest on earth is going to be burned i uh, burned down an entire international mercantile federation because i want book prices to be book prices and they can't stand it. Free market must exist. Um, and that's one of those weird moments of going, well, they literally ran like they for like the next three months, that was their entire campaign was what and crusade was to break this and this con, this confederation. It was like, why? Because you want to save 10 gold? Yes. <laughs> Yes, that's why. Well, you know, ten gold could feed. A, no, was it one gold could feed a family for ten months? So ten gold could feed a family for months. An overestimation, but yeah, you could feed a family uh, now, on a couple of gold per month. I think. But well, that was the now, old standby. If you're using traditional Dungeons and Dragons economy and you don't think about it, yeah, your answer's right. If you start going into like detail into you know. How much you're actually paying trained profession, 
you know, you go into the hirelings chart, you figure out how much it actually costs to hire hirelings per day, per this, per job. You start, you start to go, eh, the economy is actually really fucked up if you think about the old classic, eh, you pay a peasant a copper, they get to have, you know, they get to eat for a day. And you're like, no, no, no. I'm I'm actually paying several, you know, a guy to carry rocks for five cups for five copper a day and you start figuring out this massive equation like no the economy is actually totally fucked up and everything's a lot more expensive than everyone has more money than you think they are but everyone just acts poor when adventures are around oh yeah because because no gm wants to put any thought into their economy which is the whole reason why i have my theory of i the more you think about the economy the uh, i about deity's economy it is like quantum wave theory it it works as long as you don't look at it and the moment you look at it it falls apart and suddenly you realize, well, no, the average, you know, the average middle class worker actually has the money to go out and buy potions, pay for pay for magical spells, start supporting an economy, you know, and suddenly start building out this 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 image of adventurers coming to town thinking of the biggest rich shit, and then like, here's my gold piece, bartender, poof, now you're my servant, and the, and the bartender like goes, well, thanks, and then pockets it, and they're like, well, aren't you gonna treat me any better? I'll get you some good drinks. Hmm. But I gave you a gold piece. Shouldn't you like suck my dick? No. <laughs> no, I don't. That reminds me of But I'm so rich. I can, here's 10 gold pieces. Wow, I can you paid my rent for the month. Cool. What else are you gonna do for me? Well, you, Mike, do what I want. And suddenly players have to go, wait, things are actually starting to figure like. And suddenly when it like, like, wait, so bankers might actually have a job, like everything starts to, like, but listen, D&D players and GMs just assume everyone's dirt farmers living in mud huts and, and, you know, wearing rough, uh, rough hewn linens. And I'm like, no, no, but go ahead. Think that, think that I'm just going to sit back and go, no, that's not how it works actually. But that's, that that's economy. That's its own weird entire su subject. So I've actually yeah, like I said, when I originally made you know one one gold point uh, one gold piece feeds a family for ten months. That was the standard because I asked. And that was the standard question I got back in three point five days. That was yeah. that was the status quo answer. And I really never thought about it. You know, but I mean, look at how much you're paying your hirelings. Look at the hiring chart. Look at that. Figure out how much they're being paid. Realize that's an average farmer's paycheck. That you're that like, I'm gonna go hire a guy to carry rocks for me for a day. That's like two silver. Yeah. Wait a moment. He's earning two silver a day, and then you're sitting here looking at your paycheck as an adventurer, going, "I'm getting fucking gypped. <laughs> I'm going. I'm going out into a into a muddy a muddy a, a muddy shit filled hole, getting stabbed, poisoned." And the wizard died twice, almost, and we got like twenty-five gold. And the farmer's just like, you know, if you just would have like, you know, put some hard work in for two months, you would have had that much money. And yeah, and the, the adventures, we're actually really lazy and allergic to doing real work, so we're gonna go out there and get stabbed. Meanwhile, the fighter, who's actually, you know, you know some little level one minion, you know, like. Uh, sell sword guy, work for me, and he's like, uh, my price tag is this, and you know, and, and they're like, we're paying you more than we earn. What the fuck? 
how how do you get that? Because um, I have a regular paycheck in dental. Uh, what do you got? Uh, nothing. We got a cleric. Mm, you should look at a better line of work. But well, we're adventurers. Earlier campaigns, I'm like, well, my character needs to get a bag of holding. <laughs> and that's 20,000 gold pieces. Or, you know, something like that, somewhere around there. And I'm thinking, okay, if we keep doing these same jobs that we're doing, they're pay, roughly paid about 500 gold pieces, no, five to 600 gold pieces, divided by seven of us, that's 50 gold pieces for me. Well, fuck. You're never going to make it. Yeah. And, the, and even you're like, well, we have, an, we have somebody who's a magic item maker in the party. He could make it. He's like, no, I can't. I'm not for a while, guys. Not for a while. <laughs> and then they're like, we have all the money. We're going to. Like, you do realize that like every merchant every merchant on the planet wants that item, right? Well, yeah, we have enough money. We'll go buy one. No, there aren't any available. Well, why aren't there any available? Everybody's, everybody's using them. What? Yeah. Every, every single one that's being made is being bought up immediately by somebody who's got money, more money than you. And but who's who's buying them? The bankers are buying them to do what? Transfer money from one town to the next. Because well, I have a gem that's worth ten thousand gold pieces, and that's what, and I'll just transfer that to a gem holder. Well, you got money lending going back and forth. And people are like, wait, huh? Yeah, they, you know, they can afford to hire wizards to do all this stuff. This is why, and this is where high magic is why high magic is bullshit. Because now you have wizards in every town who can go, well, I cast, I cast teleport. What, what, what's your actual job? Um, the mailman. I just transfer money. I, I money banknotes and promissory notes plus other materials to my bag of holding from one point to another, and and the mail once a day, and I get paid more than you guys earn as dirt diggers, uh, sorry, as um, blood-covered uh, death sacks. What are you doing? Um, like, this is what Forgotten Realms should be like when you just walk around the corner and you bump into a wizard every fucking four feet. Hey, yeah. I, it's like, when you run into a spellcaster every three... When every, when every third person's a spellcaster, and every and every you know and every other of those is an arcane caster, you're probably going to run into at least in a town of ten to ten to twenty thousand, at least one wizard who's actually of decent level, and he's probably got a job where he's like, I don't go outside for anything. Do you have combat spells? Fuck no. Fuck you. Why would I have combat spells? No, I got real money. Well, you know, you don't doing what sending. I'm literally. <laughs> I like. What are you doing? Sending spells. Why? Because I make more money relaying information from from the local governor to the king to the king every day. What do you guys do? Um, I go out and actually do real fights and get stabbed and killed and have an adventure. And they're like, idiot. There's real work. There's real. There's real work for you to do. Oh. Uh. Uh. Um. So I'm actually, you're trading your body for, like you're trading for your your body for gold because you're just dying. You're you're a whore who gets stabbed, not fucked. Congrats. And oh, that kind of sucks. That's right, guys. Work hard. Think of something besides making money because obviously adventuring is not a money maker unless you're smart. <laughs> yeah, I mean. 
depends it, on how far the campaign you don't goes. Work much at the economy, really. No, you, you really, you really don't. You you want to have your game have a flexible economy, and mm-hmm. I, I I would never suggest that you keep always adhering to the the player's handbook prices for like a long sword or a, a crate of flour. I would not suggest that to always adhere to that. You you need to vary it up a bit. Oh yeah, you do. But that's that's that is RPG capitalism and RPG mercantilism, and that's not this topic because as much as I can go into vast detail about this and tr- and shipping and all those other things, that's not what most players look forward to, and most of them just kind of realize, yeah. Um, I don't want I don't want to work a nine to five job. This is a power fantasy. I want to go out and kill things and be a hero. Good. Well, but most it, people in real life have to do that nine to five job and really like to go outside and go kill things. And you're right. No, I did not forget. But the thing is, is that the moment my player players start to think about something besides you know besides money, I just go, no, you're actually in this for like to hopefully do something better for the world, right? And then, oh yeah, don't. Don't go into adventure. Don't go into adventure thinking you're going to get rich. The moment you're in it for just loot and cash, like the moment my players go, we're in it for loot and cash, and that's when I, that's why I'm like, and that's when the IRS comes out and goes, we're here for you now, bitch. And they're like, oh yeah, yeah, the real enemy is actually the government. And um, ah shit, I'm like yeah, go find a real ideal, go find a real goal, go try to like stop evil, over end corruption. Go do heroic deeds. Because if you start going mercenary, I start pulling out the, well, guess what? Paperwork. What? The greatest enemy is bureaucracy. And then this sucks. What are you going to do? Try to overthrow the overthrow the, I, the the global order and you know put yourself in charge? We Maybe could do that. Pinky. Take over the world. The world. I'll and, tell you what, uh, Kai. Uh, now I'm thinking about writing a campaign where the players are against the our, uh, uh, the tax revenue. It, it could be done. Now I guess my question is, what race would the eat, tax though. revenue people be? Would they be like gnomes? Oh no, 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 no! You want to know the you want to know what the tax agency in my world is? It literally is a group, a, a cabal of wizards who monitor everything. And one player realized we could go after the wizards and realized. Oh shoot! Oh, we gotta do paper. Oh, this is good. And so they actually do periodically go. And then ultimately, what always happens is the players get close to figuring out that they get to go challenge them, and then go. You know, we're better off if we just join the establishment, <laughs> and we just sell off all of our ideals and just become agents of the great machine that that we work. And I just go, yes, the technocracy wins. Congratulations, order <laughs> always prevails. You fail. And because and as a GM, you should always be challenging. Like if their if their ideal is free is freedom and independence, tempt them, challenge them, and at, at any point that they go, and that they're willing to trade their ideals for for something else, and you go, and that's why heroes always fail it, because of morality play. You just take whatever they, or they actually go, no, I actually do believe this, and they go, and, and they push through, and at that point they. They're heroes of their story. I don't care if they're actually villains. They're heroes of their story. And that's what matters for them. Oh, my God. Yes. If my players had been in NASCAR, I would be the happiest person in the entire world. <laughs> Moonshiners versus the Revenuers. Yes. Yeah. 
players inventing NASCAR would be hilarious. Moonshiners. I would love that. You no, know, we've already kind of done that. We, you know, how many stories out there are basically the dwarfs or basically the moonshiners versus the elves? We've done that. We've seen that. Well, no, no, but the thing is, is that do you ever have the elves going after the actual um, dwarven, refi- you know, actually, wouldn't that be the halflings? Wouldn't be the halfling, halflings be more of the moonshiners? Do you, but have we ever, have we, have any of you actually ever ran that adventure where the, where the IRS is coming around to go burn down all the moonshiner stills and you're trying to make your money? Most of us don't ever get to have that kind of fun. No. It, so it's like, plus most players just don't, most people just like, I'm going to go gun down the, um, the, the agents coming up the hill. And they're like, well, that's a very bad plan. I, that's a very bad plan. It doesn't end well. You know that, right? And that, but that's but but we're, we're gonna do that. And I'm like, like, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna play Copperhead Road, and we're gonna listen to the very last um last verse now. That's what's going to happen, real real soon, real soon. And I hope to God you got I uh, you got some good traps planned up there, and, and like why? Because there's weird shit's gonna happen. Why? Because you killed the government agents, motherfucker. Things are coming after you. Be prepared. Oh no. And yeah. yeah. And I've had and I've had players who've literally gone, we're gonna be pirates. I'm like, you do realize it's a bad idea. We're being pirates. And I'm like, you better okay. It's on now. And now it's like, oh, oh, wait, what do you mean the British Navy's actually powerful? It's very powerful. What do you mean they're everywhere? It's the British Navy, motherfucker. What do you think is gonna happen? Um, we're pirates. We're awesome. We can just take any one ship. Yeah, but this is a magical version of the world. Oh, that means when you attack that ship, they they send a, a message to everybody else saying, "Hey, this is where we're dying. Come, c- come get us. It's like, come avenge us." And oh, oh, this comes back. And players are getting really, really smart and figuring out how to outsmart the fact that they're being hunted by everyone on the planet. But they're rich, so it's okay. <laughs> yeah, it fixes a lot of problems. And I, I, paper- if you if you have a, an opportunity to have more wealth than what you probably deserve, and you've got problems, if you throw money at them, the problems 99% of the time just go away. Yep. Yeah, unfortunately. Fortunately and unfortunately. I don't know. You might you might run into the untouchables, the ones that money will not stop. And then you're like, what do you do? What do you do if you have Elliot Ness hunting your ass down? Well, what do you mean? That one paladin who's uncorruptible. You can't stop him and his band of buddies who are going to beat the shit out of you because, you know, they're his buddies. What are you gonna, how do you stop the unstoppable force? Well, we got money. We'll just pay. He will continue. He is a Terminator. He will just walk through all of your defenses. And it's fun when your party is being un- unconventional. Like, if you can get away from that, we you have to all be heroes thing. And your party goes, well, wait, we are the moonshiners. We are the bootleggers. We are the, we are the underworld. We are everything that's bad. And then you present them with the, the one thing that every party is. The unkillable war machine, i.e., the paladin who walks in there going, I am wearing for- armor of fortitude where I'm immune to criticals. I have my saving throws. I am made of awesome, and I have a cleric who's literally glued to my back and healing me. And I have a, like, and a party. 
oh shit, how do we stop another party who's geared to kill us? This isn't good. That, you plane shift. Find out. Are you really a good player? Are you and, really a good GM? Yeah. And and the best part is, is that it's fun because you know everyone thinks about, hey, wait, I'm gonna be like I'm gonna be Elliot Ness. Well, it's more fun about the it's like cool, but that's fun the first two or three times you've ever been Elliot Ness, but have you ever been on the receiving end of it? Well, no, we've always been the good guys. Well, now here's your chance to see if you're smarter than all my villains. If you're smart enough to be able to cover all your bases, because I've been taking notes, I've been watching this stuff, and I'm not going to make it impossible on you, because I, I want this game to be fun. Because, you know, I want that Ocean's Eleven, you know, that, that chance of the Ocean's Eleven ending where they escape, or the, uh, the Italian job escape, or some other, like, crime movie. Like, go for it. Be awesome. Have fun. Do tricks. And it's all about rewarding them. And, and suddenly they're now engaged because they're having fun. And it's great. Even if it does end with, you know, ultimate betrayal, but as one player betrays the other rest of the party, because that's what always happens. Right. And that, and that might just simply be the player, you know, that player who betrays everyone by, by, by literally just stealing the boat and leaving their whole party just sitting on the shore going, where'd our boat go? And he's walking off with, you know, with the boat in a bottle, walking off going, in the other party, but wait, we got betrayed. I betrayed that. That's terrible. And but that's what they were engaged at every moment of that of of all of these situations that did actually have happened. They've been fun, and sometimes that the betrayal isn't the end of the campaign. It's literally just the transition point from previous arc to new arc and that arc may you know that transition point is an is an incredible point that everyone will keep talking about afterwards and that and that might just simply be a player you know because you've let players go without having this whole thing of no as a gm i must now prevent all players from ever having interpersonal fights and anything and you know it ends with with somebody eating a you know eating a high velocity bullet and then falling over his corpse and you're like going and there's a party. Wait, what? What just happened? And then the one party, and that one player, I had a, I had a long-standing issue with that character, and I had to solve it. And there was a party. Yeah, but we liked that guy. We didn't like you. And now, and, and now, blood and guts happens, and it's, it's blood and murder happens, and it's beautiful. Um, I, I've noticed. I mean, even in my campaign that I'm running, like I said, the fight, uh, the rise of Rune Lord. In the very beginning, since I'm using Five E, there's these classes off Five E that I don't fully understand at the time because I they just came out. And I'm like, no, we're just going to do basic core. But at the moment we get to like a major city, and you want to bring in an artificer, I'll allow that. Go ahead. Why can I have it now? Well, you're in a small fishing village. The most they have is what's in your core book. But you never know. Like a ship might have sunken offshore. Is that one guy who's like, who are you? I needed basically two months <laughs> to read what the hell they're going to try to do to me. Realistically, yeah, that's yeah. what I was trying to avoid. Yeah. It, but I also DM is the same concept as whatever you do to me, I can I'll do, do that to you. you. Oh, yeah. And that's part of the GM arms race. It's like, like you can either just abuse them or let them s set the pace of abuse, and and once you have this like this little unspoken deal going on with your fellow players of of 
I'll play as I'll play as fair as you do. As long as you don't be trickery and all, like if you're all honorable, I won't do anything horrible to you. But the moment this and they start to like push the push the barrier, push the limits, get, get out of the box a little bit, and that's when I go, okay, that's now that's now in play, that's now in play, and and a few of the older players know that trick now, and they kind of like elbow their fellow and uh, the, the new the new people who are like arrived that semester and go, hey, don't do that one. Why? Because he's playing nice, and don't don't agitate him to the point <laughs> where he's poke going. Don't the bear, damn it! Don't poke the bear. Yeah, it's like it's like don't use that rule yet. Shags are some people want to be a merchant. It's a quick route for people to gain gold if they know how to wheel and deal. If they know how to talk to people, if they've got the right attributes for the game. It, it it's how it is. I. And, uh, and also, conversely, as all of us who are wage slaves at the bottom of the pit, I remember role playing is ultimately a fantasy. It's all about power, like to do the thing that you can't do in real life. None of us are CEOs. None of us are kings or rulers. None of us are are major corporation owners. None of us own I own ships and, and and businesses. So therefore, the power fantasy of being able to go, no, I am the one with all the with all the power and the might. And the ability to hire to hire minions to do my bidding for me, and I can just walk in and go, "Hey, why the fuck is this shelf not set right?" I you don't want to be what you like. I don't want to. I don't want to RP a truck driver, but you can be well, Jack Burton. Well, wait, 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 wait. Yeah, can I be? Uh, yeah, let's say hey, now. Thing is. Jack Burton was a truck driver, but the adventure wasn't around him being a truck driver. He was just a, a guy watching everyone else be more awesome than him. Okay, well, Burt Reynolds. Every, that is so true, and 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 I gotta say that's one of my favorite movies because it is my favorite movie. So, <laughs> yeah, because well, the reason he knew how to actually play a guy that felt he was a a leading guy, but in reality he knew as an actor I'm playing a secondary character. Oh yeah. But I'll be a trucker if I could be Burt Reynolds. Uh, so are you going to drive like so? You be Burt Reynolds driving a truck, but not the car? Wait a second. Burt Reynolds in the early days of Smokey oh, okay. and the Bandits. So when he's driving the car, not when the oh yeah, you're right, you're right, you're right. When he's but, you know, yeah. before it's like I don't know maybe a decade before we get Smokey and the Bandits. It's the lead up to that. That burrow. And the thing is, you can have a lot of fun doing that kind of stuff. It's like the thing is, is that while I do put a while I have put a lot of emphasis on, you know, mer being a merchant, all that stuff, that isn't the all that is is just secondary secondary motivations because I have learned that when players have a vested interest to the like if you know the new Dark Lord is, is burning down, you know, a neighboring kingdom and someone's like that's one of my major trading partners. That's where I have all my sugarcane fields at. I'm, I'm not happy with the fact that I now suddenly have a disruption to my, to my baking, I, I, to my cake baking industry. <laughs> this is, this can't stand. And well, then suddenly, coffee, coffee empire. Yeah, his coffee empire. And then suddenly, fuck with my coffee. And then suddenly, you have a player who literally walks out. I walks the rest of the part. The rest of the players. Okay, guys, I have some bad news. And everybody else, yeah, what? We're going to be out of coffee in three weeks. Why? Um, 
there's a rebellion being led by a dark lord about one, you know, in the coffee empire and in the coffee area, and we need to go take care of that problem. And the like, well, what's causing it? I don't know, but all I know is I got a message from my um, my supervisor. I one of my you know one of my managers that says we're going to be um, broke in about in about a month. So let's go let's go ensure we have paychecks, you know, some money. And then suddenly they're like, let's go get our gear out of storage. And suddenly they're like gearing up, like like, like GI Joe getting ready to go blow up Cobra shit going on here. They're like like four paychecks, and then they're like going off to go beat down, you know. And suddenly they've got motivation, and I've given them no more motivation than um, you guys weren't paying attention to the new, uh, local news. There's an uprising. You should probably go take care of that. And when they get there, now and go, oh, there's actually a cult going on behind it, and there's dark lords behind that, and there's another problem behind that. There's an ancient evil that's behind that, and then suddenly they're like, oh shit! And this is only because we wanted coffee. Yes. No pressure. No pressure. And, and then. At the end, at the end, when everything's finally done, and they're sitting back at you know they've gained three three levels, they have some new magic eyes. They're going, ah, let's go get some coffee, and then they go get some coffee because they've earned it, and that and they feel special when they sit down and go, man, this donut and coffee feels really good right now, and you find out the sugar is gone, and that, yeah. that sounds a lot more fun than that new barista adventure <laughs> thingy that just got dropped or talked about from Strixhaven. What was what is I I just heard a little, <laughs> I little don't bits know. about about uh, some <laughs> kind of um, uh, the adventure is you guys are uh, essentially baristas in uh, some fantasy version of a co- of Starbucks <laughs> and, and your manager is sick and you have to deal with everything and you're basically untrained and that and that's that's the adventure that sounds. Terror. Okay, at least no, mine would at least give you options of having weird things happen. Yeah, so that's what this I'm saying. Yours is much terrible. more fun. Yours you know, the the, fun. Uh, the highlight of the one that uh, Biggest Geekus has brought up is see who can self-cancel themselves the fastest wins the game. Mm. <laughs> like, yeah. I don't know. Wizards is making so many mistakes, and I don't know if that's third party or if that's directly. That's gotta be third party. I've seen a lot of these games out there, pocket games, or you know, uh, the games that you're having a dinner party and you just want to have a throw, uh, have a bunch of people around the table to hang out scenarios. Okay, so that's a D and D Beyond thing. Okay, yeah, so it's third party. It's stupid. See, I don't know what kind of dinner party games that when you have these big parties that have weird di- games. Most of our, uh, most of the dinner party games that have like crowds that I'm at usually involve someone being dead. Yeah. So, host well, I like the murder yeah. mysteries. Yeah. I mean, last dinner party I was kind of uh, uh, at, we were playing uh, Secret Hitler. Right. Or and we that was fun. <laughs> yeah. It's like, so it's Secret Hitler. Like, so we were playing Secret Hitler or we're playing, you know, a murder mystery game. And, that's actually kind of fun, but the idea of everyone sitting around playing baristas, mm, no. <laughs> I'll pass Only if I could be sarcastic the entire time. I mean, you know, like the soup uh, soup Nazi during uh, Seinfeld. No coffee for you. You, you know? know what? And at that point, you're having fun with it. At least at that point. So I mean, realistically, the, the trick is to have fun. I don't care what you play as long as you're having fun. Right, so you can make anything fun. Like if I if if I can make I make diplomacy and, and mercantilism fun, which is not most of the players just go, God damn, it's gonna be my paycheck, and I'm like, 
And it's true. Some players just go, look, I'm giving all my money to the one play, like to, to the three players who actually know how to do all this stuff. And I'm just going to be a silent partner. And I'm like, like, congratulations. You've now mastered being rich. What do you mean? You've pawned your, you've pawned all your money off onto an, onto a hedge fund and they're doing all the work for you. Yeah. And you just wait for it. You just wait for your monthly paycheck to come in. They're like, Wait, what? You know, no. I've done variations of that during other campaigns I've run. I haven't done it as of yet in this the current variation of it, where the players uh, save a, uh, a a not tribe, but a bunch of dwarfs. And dwarf says, "Well, we can't pay you right now, but if you're willing to pay into this mine that we're we're working right now, that the produces." mithril or gold or whatever you know we'll give you like five percent of the earnings that's I not a, a bad for a hamburger on tuesday if i could have it tonight tonight yeah well if you're paying futures on a mine that's not a bad investment if if the dwarves can be trusted yep and that's why you didn't have the party every once in a while go like you have to go have we been paid no um so, somebody's not paying at which point you know somebody goes Hey, barbarian! Yeah, someone ain't paying. Okay, go take care of the problem. Yeah, some dwarfs need murdering. And suddenly, it's like scared. It's also, it's, I also find it weird. Some of the, even as a DM, some of the places where people will find money, people will find money out of anything. The and way. it's like, well. You know, I'm a, I'm a, I could forge this bit of sword back together. You think I can get a couple of silver off? I'm like, sure. Let's go to the local, you know, give me your shit pawn store that, you know, every campaign has. Well, and the thing is, is that it's partially our fault as GMs by being stingy to the point where the players are going. Because it was a, a, when you start a low level campaign at first, at first, you know, two, two, three levels, they're looking at, at things like, I want a suit of full plate, and they can't afford it. So they look at that, that, that thousand gold. Like, how do I get a thousand gold? Oh shit! You know, when you go to that first adventure, here's your massive pile of two hundred dollar of two hundred I, I two hundred gold pieces divided by five, and everyone looks at their pile of forty and go. Yeah. You know what my normal response is if I'm starting a new campaign is do I have enough money to stay in a tavern tonight? Yes. Do I have enough money to eat at this tavern tonight? Yes. Do I have enough money to drink at this tavern tonight? Yes, but you'll be broke. I'm okay with that. Ah. Tomorrow. But, ah. You haven't seen my players who are going, oh, no, 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 no. We need to figure out how to, like, where we use this pool money. Like, everyone's like, there's like, like, cash is like, Everyone's so cash strapped that, that you know that we literally will like look at a pile of broken goblin gear and go, "Hey, crafter!" And the and because the, the, you know, always one in the party, there's always one blacksmith armor smith in the party. There's always one in the party. That's just stereotypical. Oh look, every player like somebody will do it. It, it, it doesn't matter. There's always one. I don't care what care. I have not found a group who, who does not have at least one guy who's got some crappy skill in the in the group. It doesn't happen, or if it does, bread, uh, bread and butter during uh, three point five days, right? And so they'll look at all this. You find all this broken, low quality gear, and he's like, "Can I fix it?" And suddenly the party like, "Well, you're on your four on your 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 week long barge trip to the next to the next town." That guy sitting here going, 
ding, 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 ding. He's polishing, re like tearing apart leather to reassemble it. And he's like, okay, now we have three suits of leather armor that aren't crap we can sell, and two bows that aren't crap, and one sword that we can that's not crap. Now we got some money. And the party, all right, we're not broke bitches anymore. Oh, yeah. yeah. We can, we can sleep somewhere that's not on hay. That's full of lice. <laughs> We're doing good. Yeah. If you if there's if you watch any of those restoration videos on YouTube, uh, where some a dude takes a rusted piece of crap metal and then makes some beautiful thing out of it, if if that's possible, then pulling oh. off some uh, dead goblins junk should be able to. You should be able to do something with it. Oh, oh God! If yes. you well, given sufficient time and skill, yeah. Yeah, uh, um, I can't pronounce his name, but there's a mer there's a comment in a, a chat. Uh, Sandar, I don't know. Shazar. Actually, historically, Vikings, if they would bend their sword or anything during battle and they survived it, they would shove their their sword into the fire, campfire that night, and the local smith would pound it back into place. It's historically accurate uh, that you can forge on the go. You just don't have the same setup as the, you know, the, the town's blacksmith. You can do simple uh, uh, smithing. On and, the I, and I have seen enough players carry around. I carry around portable anvils for just this reason, or armor repair kits for just these reasons because they figured out. That's what for. That's right. Yeah. I mean, really, a portable uh, forge or anvil is going to be no more than five to ten pounds. It's not going to be about going to be about that big by that big. You don't need that much space to pound something out on. Yeah, and, and that's what camp followers are for too. Yeah, yeah. But when you're starting out, you know, like, like the, and it's, and when you got players who figure out that, but that you have two care, you know, your inventory should be in like two, two or three steps. You know, you have your travels. You, your travel kit, and then you have your combat kit. When you go like, we're getting ready for combat. You put the travel kit down. You carry your combat shit with you, and it's like, but we're all encumbered for travel. But we're not going to fight encumbered. We're going to drop that shit. We're going to go in with light. And when I was so in the military, there was a, a way to strap your pack so that all you had to do was pop one, yep, one rope. Or one string, and then the that falls, and then you're free to do other things. And I've you come seen back those. And, yeah, you come and that, back and pick the stuff up when you need it. Yeah, I had I I didn't know that trick at first, but then somebody, but some old vet explained it to me too, and I'm like, oh. And from that point forward, I've been like, like, oh, this is a good idea. Do this, plan, plan for this. And they're like, oh, oh, okay, because but like I said, somebody had to explain it to me, so that way I knew it. And I'm like, thank you for telling me this shit. And now I knew. And now I can carry that forward and, and tell Ogle, this is what you got to do. I Don't worry about, but I don't want to be encumbered all the time. You're not encumbered all the time, only while you're walking. And walking is misery. You're never going to be happy. Just walk. Okay? Go. And and he's ha and he was happy. And I, he was happy when the, the, old guy, the, the old guy was happy when he was listening to us game and that we were starting to bitch about the shit that, you know, and he would yell at us from the other room. To remind us that no, no, this is how this is how miserable you're actually going to be, because he was infantry, and he was like, no, no, more miserable, and we're like, oh god damn it, embrace the suck, yeah, and he was sitting here in the other room, just like, just working on whatever he was doing, and then he would just listen to us for gaming, and then he would just yell at us, tell us that no, no, it's actually more miserable 
hey, GM, make it worse. Make it much worse. <laughs> make it so much worse. Well, you know, and, I've noticed. Uh, and I'm I, like, I'm like, and then one day I was like, just sat down with him. Like, do you just want to, I just got a notebook out one day. I'm like, just want to tell me how, how suck it actually was. And he's like, sit down. And we should, I got a beer out. He got a beer out. We just sat there and talked. His son was just sitting here going, why didn't you ever tell me these stories, dad? And he goes, well, you weren't, uh, you weren't ready to listen to this shit. And I'm sitting here going, okay, cool, 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 cool. This is a, oh, oh, okay, okay, okay. And you you learn because he, so I learned because he listened, he listened into our story and they went, here's how to make your story better and worse at the same time. And I'm like, oh, okay. And now I, and now I, and now I, 20, like 15, 18 years later, I abused new kids with, here, here's what an old guy told me about how crappy your job actually is, guys. Oh, Walking sucks. 20 miles? That sucks. That sucks. And, 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 but if you listen to some GMs, you know, goofing off, you know, it's like, oh, you can carry, like, you can, you know, you can walk through, you know, just carry your, you know, carry your, uh, your good load. You can make a walk through tree-filled tree wilderness 10 miles a day. And like, but well, we could probably push it further, like twenty miles a day. And I'm like, like, no, no, no. There's no trails here. But we can do it. We can do it. We'll push. No. Push. Push, push, your, push your feet into having blisters on it everywhere. And the, but, <laughs> yeah. but, the, but the Roman Legion did. Yeah, that was the Legion. That was the Legion, guys. You're not the Legion. Yeah, uh, I, I say after a, a year of adventuring like that, maybe <laughs> or maybe a summer or something like that, you take takes time to build up some uh, resist, build up some toughen yourself up to that kind of punishment because that's what it is. It is carrying a big heavy pack, um, and you know, we probably didn't have the best boots in the world for for walking twenty miles, but they're not bad. I, I, I'm thinking the adventurers probably have you know junk for boots when they start out yeah and they don't have anything good and the thing is it's like but and i laugh about this whenever the gm like, like whenever i play it's like we'll just we'll, we'll just run really fast through the woods i'm like no no you guys you guys really aren't legolas aragorn and gimli i you're not you're not i but mean we, at that part i mean using that as a reference even at that part of the story they're already you know least 15th level characters before or, they even started or equivalent in their world yeah in, yeah i but because i I've, I've read i've read essays where they've literally been where you could do the entire lord of the rings at fifth level so right. the little character so you can so you don't have to be, you know you could just fluff them out as they're all high level or they were just slightly tough. better than normal they're just tough, um, tough I characters think the, the early um Middle Earth games had high men, you know, the Numenorians. Yeah. Which, that's Legolas. I mean, not, not Legolas. That was Aragorn. He was a Numenorian who was closely related to elves anyway. So he's long lived. Uh, he was a great, great son of you. Know, of. Yeah, not Superman, more Captain America without yeah. all the strength. But right. Yeah, and super tough that... and hardy and run for days, uh, all that. And the best part is that, like, and to go back to the example of gear, if you watch how they're actually traveling, they're not traveling in heavy in heavy gear. They're traveling light. They're running as fast as they can. They have hardly anything. Yeah. yeah. So they're going with like, like at that point, you're actually you can actually pull up the, uh, the 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 survival the ranger's ability to just 
find food and water along the way. Like that's what that ability is supposed to be used for. That You're pretty sure that he's got was amazing. Yes. He so could what, forage. What? He he was foraging. And and if you if you guys remember the old Merp role playing game, Middle Earth role playing, oh god. Everybody took forage. When you, you had character, there there'd be a veteran at the table like take forage. Make that like your your highest ranking skill. We'll make it. <laughs> yes. Be surprised. You'd be surprised you could actually find enough food for like six or seven people. And that would keep you alive through your your big hikes and they they managed to put some of that in the movie, which I really appreciated. Yeah. I uh what was it uh well, you know, yeah, I'm going to take a drink cuz Bruce brought this up a while ago. Every time I see Dag here, I take a drink. So I'll I'll take a drink. Max is somewhere around here. I know. I I I, I just have to say Earth Dawn, Earth Dawn, Earth Dawn. Yeah. Um, <laughs> He's you know, Daggy or uh, one of the things I do. You just summoned him. He's probably somewhere out lurking. Waiting. Right. Is uh, I, you know, we go camping and I'm part of a group that likes a lot of the bushcraft that you see on YouTube and stuff like that. So one of the main things that we always talk about when we get together and we actually take time to go do is go out into the woodish part of wherever we're camping and bring back what we find this is you know and verify this is edible it's a learning it's you know something to learn on because you know we might not have grocery stores a year from now who fucking knows what's going to happen tomorrow <laughs> these are skills worth knowing and i like you know we have a garden yeah yep yep and i, I haven't learned how to slaughter a beast yet but i can I, I went to culinary art school. That was one of the uh, things. The important thing here here. Is, is that is that this is why you need friends. One person knows how to grow. <laughs> one person knows how to butcher. One person is your cook and your preserver. Everybody has a job. Right. Everyone does it. Don't you don't need somebody who can who, who can code. You need somebody who can plant a goddamn garden. <laughs> And going back to gaming, I like I like to be in groups. I like running groups and also gaming groups where everybody takes a job. Okay, this is my job. This is what I do for the party. Well, I'll do this. I'll do that. Whereas, like, okay, who's doing what? I don't want to do anything. I got to sleep. I don't want to do I'm like, come on, people. This is supposed to be a functioning but group. Oh, what's the worst? The worst is when the, the, the DM says, okay, there's a door in front of you. And everybody looking at each other. Who's going to go first? Oh, we're brave adventurers. An hour and a half later, <laughs> the answer is the rogue, which yeah. is what the answer should have been an hour ago. Or at least one of the <laughs> fighters who's brave enough to just take whatever happens. I mean, in the, the, I'm, I'm playing a wizard, and I'm like, okay, there's a door. We go get it. Go get it. How 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 close do you have to use to be? How close do you have to be to use that spell? Open knock. the boat, knock, yeah. Knock. Like, if yeah. I could be like 20 feet away, I'll just do knock and see what happens. Yeah, I think it is ranged, but yeah. <laughs> like, fuck. If you're a wizard, you have spells where you can like, well, if I use it this way, this might work. You know, I'm sorry, Kai. I think I stepped right all over you. No, don't worry about it. Yeah. Hey, look, battering ram does not have, does not use up spell slots. Just use the battering ram. Okay. I... You know, whenever I play, you know, and I, I play and I plan on playing for a while in somebody's campaign. I normally do uh, one of my normal builds, but one of my normal builds is a rogue fighter. Two level rogue, rest fighter. Why just two level rogue? 
they got Find a traps. what traps trap okay. finding yeah and evasion you'd be amazed how often evasion saves your ass always immensely i've played a wizard who had a couple rogue levels why fireball where at my feet what yeah and it's a classic those are the classic rules for it and the thing is is that i i understand that everyone has a you know everyone has a job but it, i also like having the ability to, to like double up so that way it's like okay we have one face we need to have somebody who can be their wingman so quick you you also take some diplomacy skills okay we have one survivalist who's our master survivalist we need one guy who can go out there and be be uh, escort him while he's what uh, and help assist and everyone's like building out the idea that you're everyone there's no one guy who, who oh, does yeah. everything i it, mean a face like, the face could be your bard your barbarian not your well, bard your uh rogue your paladin hell your cleric in some areas or simply the a wizard who didn't dump charisma um or a fighter who wait wait those dump exist charisma. yes Okay, I do it all the time. If you actually <laughs> roll stats, yeah, you might not actually go. You know what? I really don't need a dump, um, dump charisma. I, but this is also I. But like I said, or you're just like, well, we have a cleric. We don't need anyone else who knows how to how to heal. And then you start realizing that, wait, no, um, this GM really likes bleeds. Really likes bleeds. We should probably everyone should know how to carry a first aid kit. Everyone, why? Because the cleric may be unconscious and bleeding, we should be able to stop our own bleeding while we're hiding in a, in a hole. Because the GM is, you know, filling the hallway full of death, we should probably be able to patch our own wounds. And the party, yeah, that's a probably good idea. Um, the newer edition, it feels like almost. Uh, I mean, well, the newer edition. What I'm doing 5e is like the bard has healing spells, the paladin has healing spells, the clerk is a healing spell. Uh, the yeah. I think the druid has healing spell has good berries. And you've got your recovery. Don't don't you have recovery dice in that in 5e? Yeah, for a short rest. Yeah, for yeah. Uh, short rest, you get however many dice uh, you are. You can roll per uh, long. So rest everybody long can rest. pretty yeah. much self heal. So, I mean, even if you, I mean, you don't put skills points into it like you used to. Like, I have a 15 in uh, Arcane and heal. Uh, heal. It's just if you're proficient or if you have the ability to do it, you just, you heal and you stabilize them. You don't actually heal them. They don't get back up and fight uh, fight for the, you know, the next round. They're still unconscious. They're just not bleeding out. Mm-hmm. Now, to answer your question. If I was to actually get a group who just wants glory, glory, fame, and bashing in orc skulls, that is a great way to start. I'm no promise that I'm going to allow you to end at that. And at the, it will come down to just how how they approach my plot hooks. Like I will throw like endless. Like if they if all they want is combat. That's cool, and I'll give them combat, and they'll, and they'll have fun, or, and but eventually I'll keep throwing out plot hooks, keep throwing out, and they don't fight, and they just want more killing. Cool. I mean, I know I'm not going to be the world's happiest GM, 
But you know what? <laughs> it's not about me. I, as much as I bitch about what I don't like, I hide a lot of that when I'm actually at the table with the, with the screen out and the dice out. So I'm able to put away my own dislike and disinterest in things and set that aside and go, I'm not the, I'm not the one who actually matters in this equation. It's my players. If they're happy, if they're happy running into a, um, you know, charging a burning wagon into a field to disrupt a bunch of guards so that way they can go and assassinate them or cause them so they can all go run in there and buy time so they don't get all get crossbow bolts into the chest and all they, do, all they want to do is kill everybody, that's cool. And yes, a bar fight is always, I may or may not already have pre, pre-drawn out bar bars already planned out for the event of players getting drunk and punching somebody because that's what you do today is punch somebody and now fuck fuck time and things start happening and you just run with it well you can always use that desire for glory and yeah and all that as a carrot yeah so even if your plot hook leads to something that's not necessarily uh punching heads yeah. If the glory is built into the hook or something like that, they can always, they'll, folks will always uh, grab on to those things if that's what they're really interested in in yeah. hopes that they will get to bash heads in along the way. And the thing is, is that they usually, like, there's always this weird point where, where if their entire thing, like, because, like, we had a character his entire, where he uncreatively named his character Bob. Just, Bob. And we're like, okay, fine, you're just Bob. But he ended up being, like, the best... Like, he was completely, like, barely functional. The player was actually quite an intelligent character, intelligent player. But if it was A, that that didn't involve him punching someone to death, Hmm. or using a... or or using a six-foot-long meat cleaver to, to cut them in half, he didn't want to do it. Or he would just follow along and wait for combat to happen because he knew that everybody else in the party would cause combat. He didn't seek it out. He knew it would find us. <laughs> and because we're inevitably going to do something stupid. And we were. Because we're stupid. We're players. We're dumb. And so he just sat there waiting. Just sitting there waiting with his giant-ass sword and his giant like punch, you know, boxing glove fists waiting for us to just fuck up. And then he's just like, well, guess, and we always do something bad was going to happen when, when, you know, from that part of the table, we just hear shing. And we're like, oh shit. And he's like, well, who's dying? Whoever's not my friends. And he just starts waiting in there and everyone's dead. And soon within two or three rounds, everyone in the room's dead. He's just wiping the sword off, putting it back on his sword. And he's like, I'm putting my share of the gold, and I'm going to get I get a beer, and we're like, oh my god, thank God, thank you, Bob, thank you for being the answer to all of our problems. Punch <laughs> <laughs> shit. Like, did I get to punch it or cut or, or cut shit today? No, eh, whatever. It wasn't a bad session. And I, my, I appreciate I appreciate people that play characters like that. I have also <laughs> played characters like that. Where I'm at a certain point in my life where Monday through Friday, or Monday through the next game is just, it's work heavy, you know, or family business. Where I don't, I want to spend 
six to eight hours or however long the uh, the uh, game is running where I don't have to think about anything other than some chucks and dice and kill something. I'm not going to stop the rest of the party from role-playing. If they want to role-play, that, that's awesome. But I don't want to have to think. I just <laughs> want to be there, hang out with my friends, drink some beers, and kill some fictional uh, creatures. That's right. And and the fun part is that if you're willing to do that, and like it's like I like I had a few like a few weeks ago, somebody decided to go. Hey, Blaine, do you actually want to play? Yes. And I was so burnt out because it was the holidays, and I didn't want to do shit. And and like, so what are you gonna play? And I like played some crossbow. I some crossbow focused uh, ranger whose entire job was just to sit there at at 500 feet and put arrows uh, arrows at crits to people's foreheads all day long. And like, what are what what is your character just do? I smoke cigarettes, I shoot people, and that's all I do. And they're like, and I hide in bushes, and I shoot people, and oh. and they're like, do you do anything else? And I'm like, look, guys, but like, you're a GM. This is your chance to like RP and have fun <laughs> and be that thing that you always want. And I'm like, no. No, 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 no. I'm going to give you guys a taste of what you guys do to me all the time. So <laughs> I'm going to be the guy who sits back there and be like, well, you got two options. One of them involves, involves, involves three-foot-long bolts of wood through your forehead. Which one are you going to choose? Uh, option one, good good option. Because I was already loading. Click, 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 click. And like, oh. Does that mean we're about to probably die? Yep. And they're like, oh, this isn't good. And But the thing was, that was my chance to finally get revenge on that GM, on, on those GMs and the other, and the other players go, this is, what you, this is the madness you guys put me through. This is why I'm insane. You guys want to, I want to enjoy this? And then the, rest, and the GM, I want this challenge. I want this, do it, do your worst. And he's like, this is an encounter. This is my opening action. All the hit points. What? That's, I'm sorry. Is there more people to kill? Cool. <laughs> and, <laughs> and they're like, but we thought you would be the most talkative, talky talk diplomacy person in the room. No, no, that's no, no, no. Sometimes you want to just sit back and, and roll with it. And, and I've had care. I have a character like that. And yeah, um, I do get tempted when uh, I'm with a, in a group. And it's um, a diplomacy or a investigation thing, and we're kind of going in circles. And my character has absolutely no no skill in anything but swinging a sword and being intimidating. And he's really good at it. Yeah. And, and uh, so what he what only what he did was when he tried, one of the characters was like, "Well, you're not the charisma guy here." I'm like, okay, fine. I stepped back and let them screw around for a while and yep then i said all right if you guys don't make something happen i'm going to start cut, chopping things yeah so i'm getting bored we need to do stuff not just go in circles you know i mean i'm saying it in good nature i'm not like bossing them around or anything but oh gosh but no. playing, playing in character and just you know every once in a while saying all right we're going in circles got to do stuff or i'll start chopping things and it, so instead of being so i refused to um, be the smart guy or the charismatic guy because my character wasn't at all. And the thing is that the is that everyone else is expecting. I you was know, like, well, 
GM, you're actually going to play. Aren't you going to be like the one who's in charge and, and leading us? No, because I, all I do all day, every single campaign, is tell is lead you guys around by the nose and make you guys go where I want you to go. Why do you think I want to be the one, guy in charge now? But but you can be the guy in charge now with the players. Like, no, no, this is my vacation. You 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 are giving me a two shot adventure, two two sessions to just have fun. I'm not going to waste it by oh, being yeah. your babysitter. Oh, oh yeah. No, when I was looking at Poplar Bluff, I got invited to sit down in this campaign. And it was like, this is right about when I was about ready to move back to Illinois. So I, I know I was only going to be there for a couple more months. And I'm like, sure, I'll, I'll play down. And the guy who was hosting it was a guy who regularly sits down at my table. And all he does for four hours, you know, four hours, however long I ran the night, is just give me a fucking headache. And um, and I'm playing with a couple of other people I, you know, I DN for. And I'm like, where are you going to be? I'm going to be a fighter. Okay. Yep. Well, I pick up my languages and everything because this is Pathfinder. And this guy, the guy is playing a paladin has been a thorn in my ass since I moved there. I'm like, okay. And we go fight. We're about ready to somehow he thought he could talk his way. He, <laughs> he thought he was going to play his paladin as if you can talk your way out of every scenario. If they're bad, you could talk them into being good people. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know that, was his, that was his variation. I'm like, okay. <laughs> so we're about ready to go up against a bunch of hobgoblins, the hobgoblins. And hobgoblins are smart enough to have a conversation with you. They'd rather kill you, but they're smart to have a conversation. But they didn't speak, they didn't speak uh, common. And the closest language that they spoke to what anybody else in the party spoke was goblin. I spoke goblin. And the paladin's like, hey, I need you to come up here and negotiate with these people. And he says, well, the paladin says, well, we want to make peace with you, and we'd like to establish some kind of an arrangement. And I said, okay, I'll, I'll repeat, you know, a variation of what you said. And I looked at the DM, and I said, the paladin over here told me he wanted to tell you that you fuck like a sheep, and he wants to rape your daughter. And, for, you know, you know, I, I say this at the table, and the guy who's playing paladin is like, I didn't say that. I'm like, you don't know what I said. That that is exactly what is always fun when you run languages and you have that one player who, like, because I, I have seen players do that exact same moment and I've loved it. Where the party goes, this is the this is our grand plan. It's actually pretty intelligent. And, they, and then they, the one player who's translating is like, like, yeah, um, fuck you, fuck you, I fuck your horse, and we want to we want to fight you. And the party goes, well, are they receptive of our idea? Oh yeah, and, they're receptive. Oh, oh, and then like, they're like, did you really say that? And he go like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That guy over there, he really likes you, really likes you. When he's done beating the shit out of you, he's gonna really make you like him. And suddenly they're like, oh, we're gonna fucking kick your ass. And I'm like, and so like they're all drawing weapons. You fucked up our diplomacy. Nope, I got exactly what I want. <laughs> and, and at the end of it, the paladin looks at my characters. What are you good for? I'm like talking shit and eating tacos. That's why I'm good. <laughs> Like, what are you good for? Not not what you just made me do. And that's also why it's like you gotta be careful what language but then again I also had a player who took who took demonic like like why'd you take demonic as a language? He goes, Because I wanted to cuss at people in uh, in a in a mean language. So, so you want to cuss at people in German? So he took demonic, so that he goes, but that's like shooting bunny rabbits with rocket launchers. There's no sport in this. Yeah. And 
But it's funny because like we're all having this big, you know, everyone's talking, and like suddenly this demon lord shows up, and the barbarian goes, uh, "Actually, he's kind of like talking about this problem here, and he's got the." And like, wait, you speak demonic? Yep. And <laughs> why didn't you tell us, the barbarian? I didn't need to tell you. <laughs> you can't speak any other language that's common and demonic. Yep. God, you're useless. Nope. Not, not right now. now. I'm not. <laughs> not right now. I'm not. And like, like, oh my god. It is. It's. It's moments like that. So that was a fun moment too. That we all kind of looked at. You know, yeah, the barbarians on our diplomat. Nope. <laughs> and. And it's like me and the rest of the party knew that we're going to end up having to fight the that we should fight and kill these uh, uh they're evil we should put them down and the paladin's like no i want to you know make peace with all nations well let's see how this works out for you and there was like even the dm is like why are you taking these languages because i took goblin i took giant I'm like, first of all, I know the area that you're talking about DMing in, uh, gaming in, so it makes sense for my character to know some of the languages there. And he's like, but you all, you just took the, the you know, the monsters. I'm like, yeah, because he's a fighter. He would like to know what these fuckers are saying. That's usually the reason why. And it's like battle a- language. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. You know what they're planning. You, you need to, if you're going to, like, sneak up on them and hear their plans, doesn't do any good if you can't understand what they're saying. Yeah. Well, that one player goes, everybody, take, everybody's got a language. Take sign language. Why? Because that way we can talk and, and nobody else is what we're saying. Right. Yeah. yeah. It's like, hey, we're all being sneaky or we're trying to, like, you know, hey, we're all being, like, being captured. It's only people are doing sign language and everyone's like, oh. Oh, oh, except for that one player who didn't who didn't listen, didn't take it. He's like, uh we're like, just just wait for the sign. What's the sign? Usually a fireball, okay? It's an explosion. That's the sign. That's <laughs> always the sign. I don't care what you're playing, that's always the sign. What's the sign? Screaming. <laughs> who's, who's screaming? It doesn't matter. If they're screaming, that's the sign. I, I swear that Paladin probably cast uh detect evil on me at least like once a day. The entire he's like, what lineman are you? I'm like, you got to uh, cast to find out because I'm not saying. Then DM later that day is like, what are what what lineman are you playing? Well, you said no evil. He's like, yeah, I'm cack neutral. Oh, so so bargain basement evil. Got it. Yeah, <laughs> I'm out for me. If this makes me money, I, well, that's the type of character I'm playing. Chaotic neutral is just it's just Walmart brand evil. So, I can't be evil. I'm chaotic neutral. God damn it! Well, I don't like playing good characters though either. I love. That's all I play. <laughs> Is it happening on fire? Yes. No, I can do chaotic good. Chaotic good, I can do. I can't. I. It just. I. You know. I had a guy play, make me sit down and play a lawful good character. Uh, he said, "Just try it. Just one session, lawful good." And I thought I was just gonna burn. No. internally from trying to be lawful good because that's just not who i am well it's fantasy you're trying to be somebody else well my no no i i it, no i can't no so you walk around uh do you like murder people all the time no no so, unless they have it coming okay no. do you no. take people's stuff uh if they're dead okay no i mean in real life so 
you don't take people's stuff. You don't try to murder them in their sleep or when they're just walking around doing no, nothing. No. So why why do you think you're not a good guy? Because this is uh, those things will put me in the place I don't want to go. This is <laughs> so this the is only reason you don't murder guy. No, the this only is, reason you don't murder people is because of the law. No, I like spending time with my daughter, and I mean not being in jail. Yeah, oh, I have a list. I just daughter. can't pull it. You make yeah, careful. Yeah, might be a, a bit more lawful than you think. Yeah, <laughs> I, yeah, I never, uh, yeah, I have a list. I have a, I have rules that I follow. I give yeah. myself just lawful doesn't necessarily mean you follow the like people get paladins really wrong and when they're lawful oh, yeah. good they think that they have to follow the local law even if the local law is sacrificing babies. No, they don't. Um, they have a code and they respect order. But lawful doesn't mean you're a robot. Right. Because if the law is perpetrating evil, then you would be violating the other half of your alignment if you right. use an alignment system. And right. so I understand that. So you I have just, your personal code and you like order and and uh and you protect the innocent and that whole Bring everybody to peace thing. I mean, really, that's silly. Uh, no. Hobgoblins are evil. They are. Yeah, they, yeah. They, 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 no pop, they popped yeah. out of the womb. Evil. They'll be evil. They they breathe, eat, and uh, sleep evil. That's that's just what they are. Oh yeah. Now the fun. If you ever want to want a bad time, try. I was think almost gonna call it a bad time, but it's a fun time when you have a G when you have a player who I would actually list him as in real life being lawful evil real life, and he's a clinic he's a clinical psychologist not not a therapist. Yeah. Oh, okay, like a lawyer. No, <laughs> clinical psychologist. He is the he is the guy in the white lab coat in the laboratory going. This is my theory, and I want to test it, and I need a hundred of you peasants. To endure what I'm about to do to you to prove my theory. And, that back and Bill Murray, like Bill Murray oh, yeah. in the beginning of uh, Ghostbusters. Busters. Oh, yeah. And he is definitely, like, <laughs> and he is definitely like, when you have a person in real life who goes, the board of ethics is my is my natural enemy, and that my life would be so much easier if I didn't have to explain to an ethics board what I'm about to do. And I'm like, like, you're a psychologist, clinical. I don't treat people. I test you. <laughs> and I go, you really are evil. He's, I'm like, he's like, I am. And you, and I'm paid to be evil. You have no, like, you have no moral ethics. He goes, no, I have none. I've already, I've studied too much about psychology. Ethics is a joke. And I'm like, oh my God, that's what evil really is. Okay. Well, here, put in this perspective, if it wasn't for the clinical uh, a therapist like you're talking about, the uh, Unabomber wouldn't have been as fucked up as he was. True. But hey, the fun part here is, is that, but having somebody sit, having a guy who hates an ethics board sit back and go, actually, no. You're actually more ethical than you say you are. And I'm like, how are you the judge? He goes, trust me, I have a degree in this. I could, 
I can tell you if you're actually what alignment you're actually playing. And but I say I'm you're not, and I'm sitting here back going, I'm not gonna I'm not drunk enough for this conversation. You guys all talk amongst yourselves. I'm gonna go drink some more while you guys hammer out what your alignments are. Um and he and he's he's like, I'm putting aside me being your friend and a player. I'm now an ethics board. I'm going to tell you what alignment you are. Tell me what you're going, what you want, and I'll tell you if it's good or not. And sorry, if it's ethical or not. And they're like, uh, uh, and I'm like, like, this is what a lawful neutral God is like. He's going to enforce order on you. There's no, and he doesn't care about if you are happy or not when it's over. And I'm like, John, you're a gift. I'm going to miss you when you're gone. And he's like, I'm going to miss everyone when I'm gone. Bye. <laughs> my, my question is on that. You said God, uh, uh, and I'm thinking about gaming in general. But have any of you guys been in a campaign where it is God heavy or the deity is known and makes, uh, will make an appearance either for the boon or bane of your existence? Oh, yeah. Yes. By God, yes. I, I've been in a few. Unfortunately, I've always been not that person's follower, so it's kind of bit me in the ass on different occasions. <laughs> the thing is, is that you need to be able to have, like, if you're going to have a GM who's, I, who is running one and a half million gods, which, dear God, I, someday I will actually write out my entire celestial bureaucracy network so you can see how crazy it actually is. Because this whole, there's a, there's a, a pantheon for humans and a pantheon for elves and a pantheon for dwarves. No, 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 no. Here's the celestial bureaucracy. Deal with it. This is this is uncomprehensible. I'm like, it is. It's not supposed to be. You, you Beyond mortal kin. You like, but there's a guy in charge of everything. No, not one guy. There's a person in charge of everything. Oh, so who do I go to for this? Get in line. Take a number. Who do I pray to? Um, you pray to you hope someone's listening. Oh shit! <laughs> and they're like, "But I'm a cleric, and I pray to this god." Yes, and he's very, very busy right now. Uh, but he grants my no, no. Your 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 spells are being granted by a subordinate of his who's handling your prayers because he's busy being the god of what of what he, uh, whatever he's supposed to be god of. But he's the god <laughs> of what. He's the god of war. It's a very large planet. There's a war going. There's like five wars going on, and you're doing what? Getting ready to go fight like five goblins and, a, and an orc? Uh, he really can't. Well, uh, I. But 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 I'm I'm here to bring law. There's like 15 cities that all need law lawbringers. You're just one guy, but I'm important. No, you're not. <laughs> god, it's like going to the humans. Uh, human. Uh... Oh, not human. Going to any government building to fill out paperwork. Can I talk to my agent? No, no. But you can talk to me. But I need him to fill out my uh, this. No, no, he actually doesn't do it. His, you know, you know, somebody else does it. He and then like resource department at any and, job. And then like like three three days later, an angel shows up. <laughs> I'm your caseworker. When I'm Juno, you your caseworker. I'm Juno, your caseworker. And it's like, huh? But we. But I was wanting to talk to. Are you an angel of my of my God? No, I'm actually I, I'm actually in. Um, I they they pawn like you're actually in. Um, you're dealing with the Department of 
lost mysteries right now because you're in this in this dungeon and so they plunge you off to the, to the appropriate deity department and i'm here to talk to you about whatever your problem is well um but you got a question yeah here's your here's your answer and Dude, that makes a whole lot more sense because when you get those phone calls talking they're trying to talk to you about your uh, car warranty. That's really the other side of the argument. Uh -huh. <laughs> and, and the thing is, is that is that suddenly it makes the idea of it's like, ha, ah, like I have the gut, like I have the god of this field. Do you have anything important? No, no, I actually just kind of guard this field. Is that your job? Yes, and, I t and I t I'm very proud of that job. Thank you very much. You know, we could just kill you. You could, and and. We've brought off Paladins and Earth Dong. I said Dong. And the thing is, is that and like no, and, and, and it's like it's it's fun. So yes, but like if you can just get yourself away from this weird, you know, um, kind of kind of Tolkien esque inspired or traditional pantheon logic, you can have a lot of fun getting crazy with having fun. And suddenly, like, and suddenly he's like, "Well, I'm a Paladin. Yeah, cool. You're like one of like." There's like five lawful good paladins. Well, which one's the paladin that I'm part? I, I, you chose when you created your character. You're a paladin of that god. Congrats, go. But and that paladin over there, yeah, he's also lawful good. He's also part of a crusader god. But he's a god of this. Wait, what? How many gods are there? Just don't ask that question. You like bureaucracy, though. I very much am a a king of bureaucracy. I yeah. love. I love making people look at just how the universe is far bigger than you'll ever comprehend. Super complicated. I both want to sit at his campaign to play and also not sit at his campaign to play because how... Okay, there's ways to not deal with the bureaucracy. So, <laughs> yes. So if you're not dealing with the Celestials at all, you don't have to deal with that bureaucracy. And the yeah. whole tax people you talked about before, you if you, you don't like hide from them, then you don't have to deal with them either. That, like, the thing is that the entire world is, actually has a whole lot of things that are keeping it running. But if you don't look at it, they, they're all invisible. They're all running in the background the way it should always work. And that's where heroes come in. When the when the great gears of the universe crunched to a halt and they needed somebody to go in there and pry a goblet out of the gears or there's a demon causing problems. You know what? You're just, and the gods, we're just here to help push you in the right direction to fix the problem. Stick <laughs> you in that cog so you can grease it. That's right. Yeah. It's going to get greased one way or another. You, you, you know, get, get that debris out. Or your grease, or your dead body is gonna uh, is gonna grease that gear, one way or another. It's gonna keep turning. <laughs> oh, that's not good. <laughs> it's not supposed to be good. It's an uncaring universe. It's powerful, and it will continue to grind you down. That's why you, and this, you're a hero because you can try to break that system. But you're right. But that's just weird. <laughs> I just feel like if I ever sat down at uh, Kai's campaign and campaign, I'd need like three binders, a grid notebook, and a calculator for some damn reason. You do. I would suggest you. <laughs> I would suggest you own a, You buy a fee. You buy one. A calculator at my phone, but yeah, I get what you're saying. <laughs> no, buy a notebook. Keep notes. Keep writing down all the notes. Anything that anything that interests you, write down the note, and if it, and then come back to me later and go. Hey, that thing in the session that you mentioned, 
could you tell me more about that? Oh, you mean the world? You mean you mean the magic eater iron plants? Yeah. Is there a history behind that? Yes, there is. Can I research it? Yes, you can. <laughs> are you are you going to tell me it? I might. If you roll okay, if not, you're going to find out why it's called the magic eater virus. Oh, <laughs> oh, this is going to end very badly for you, I know. Oh, oh, this this has got a history to it, doesn't it? About five pages worth. This is going to kill me. Mm -hmm. Good luck. <laughs> That's rare. I, I, I'm lucky as a DM. You should have burnt it when you had a chance. Yeah. I, I've so far I've been lucky as a DM. Most of my players right here. Teleport. <laughs> I mean my players do take notes and whatnot, but most of my they keep it, you know, keep it simple. Most of the games I run. And I, I appreciate that. If I get if I get a bunch of them like uh, we want to make it a little bit more harder or complicated, I can go down that uh, uh, road too. It's just so far it's been let's keep it simple, stupid uh, uh, systems, uh, sessions. So I just run with it. And there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, honestly, keeping it simple is fun. But when my players start going too murder hoboey, I mean, I, I know how – I know that I that I don't have very, very many limits. So, therefore, if I want to crank it up to 12 on the, mur on the murder death gore stage, uh, I, I can go death metal. If they want me to go death metal, I'll go death metal. If um, if they want to go into terror tactics, I can go terror tactics. If they want right. to, I, I if, if they want to pull out green visors, I can I can go that way too. But if they just want to have fun, I can sit back and go, you know what? Let's just have a pulp, a pulp adventure. My pace is my pacing is set entirely by what my players do. But because I know I can go to the extremes in every direction possible, and I'm not afraid to go. I don't want to deal with that. Ugh, fuck. Um, I'm not gonna be. I'm not one who's gonna sit back and go because I don't want to deal with that. I'm gonna tell you no, no. That's why, and that's why I read so much about damn near everything. Is so that way when it comes when a player goes, I can, I'm gonna throw you a fastball here, and I'm like catch. No, no. Let's do that. Let's go with that. And suddenly, like, wait, what? You forget. Yeah. I have the power. I have, I have the the summation of all all of human, uh, mankind's knowledge in my hand right now. So if you do ask me something I don't have an answer for, I can pull up a search a search engine pretty damn fast. And <laughs> so I think this coming week's campaign because I didn't know when I ran uh, ran Monday. I didn't know Bob Saget passed away. And so this coming Monday, I think I'm gonna. I and I this coming Monday, I am the DM because last Monday I wasn't. But this coming Monday, I'm gonna put any, uh, just just for not. I hate the concept rule, uh, the rule of cool. But for shits and giggles, if anybody gets my uh, Bob Saget, you know, reference or some, you know, pop culture uh, comment, I think I might uh, give an extra uh, XP points too, just for shits and giggles. Hey. Just make sure you rewatch some of his actual stand-up routine, and make sure you get some of those in there too. Oh yeah, no, I watched almost most of his stand-up. I loved his roast on Comedy uh, Central. I haven't seen any of his stand-up. I have, uh, I have Farce of the Penguins though. Right. Which was, yeah. which is, uh, was okay. It was funny enough. Uh, but, uh, 
yeah, I, I understand that uh, once he got out of his uh, family version TV show, it was uh, all bets are off. I did. Yeah. Hear, I, I, I listened to an interview on the. I think it was Joe Rogan's show. He was on that show, and uh, it was a pretty cool interview. I had a same reaction to him that I did with uh, Betty White. You know, Betty White was America's grandma, dot, dot, dot. And I remember from Golden Girls, I remember for all these other movies playing the old grandma, Sweet Lady. Then, like, Plastic came out, and she called that cop a cocksucker. I'm like, Grandma! And so that was not She's not the sweet grandma. Right. She's the ornery grandma who appears sweet. What was it with Saget? It was that movie Half Baked, and he and it, they're at the uh, drug uh, meeting or whatever for ADD, but for drugs. And he stands up and is like, "Have you ever sucked cock for heroin? I suck cock for heroin." I'm like, "No, <laughs> stop <laughs> my childhood." <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, but I, I. I want to apologize for having to bow out a little bit early, uh, only because I have I have to get up early for work. So I'm going to bow out uh, out at this point. Thank you for putting up with me for the night. Hey, Blank, and, are you are you getting closer to putting your channel together for streaming uses? Ah, uh, getting closer. But I just gotta find some uh, a window where I'm not fixing a fixing a leaking bathroom or having to prepare for a move. So I, I'm getting there, but. As more information happens, I'll make sure to pass it along. So, I'll pat and I'll bid you all a good good night, and I'll t I'll talk to you all next week. I'll Bye. See you then. Thank yep. you, buddy. Yep. Okay. Joe, Bruce. Now I was going to ask Joe someone that was topic related. Yeah, go ahead. Well, no. Um, aside from what we talked about last night. Uh, to keep in the, the context of the the chat original purpose what was it that you did in a game either recently or maybe not so recent to where you were like oh my i've got to use this again and that's kind of like something that you you used one time and you just kind of were in shock maybe you worded things differently maybe you brought something new to the table just by being naive and, and able to uh, ascertain BS from the players. But what was it that you did at a table that you just thought, like, I'm going to write this down. This is going to happen in every game I run. Oh, as a DM. As a DM. Okay. Honestly, I, I really don't run a lot of games. So I haven't run a game in probably a couple of years. Oh, so, well. So um, – I'm much more a player, and that's just uh, circumstances. Um, as they are, it's hard to run a game at my house. So, yeah. um, okay. Uh, we do our annual get-together um, called Cabin Con. And um, we were playing... Uh, Pathfinder folks, and you know, they you can get pretty uber Pathfinder without being all that high level, yeah, yeah. And troubles where it starts to fall apart if you're not keeping your hand on it. And uh, so I ran a little uh, just a, a little uh, dungeon crawl essentially. In it, physics were kind of tossed out the window, 
So, um, because I didn't know what I, I it was a, a con environment. So I didn't have pre-gens. Everybody brought their character they already had. And I didn't really want to learn everybody's character. So um, I decided to just have some really odd rooms. And in one room, for the enemies, it was they were all aquatic. So the, the room for them functioned like a, a, an aquarium. So for them, it was water. But when the, the uh, party walked in, it was more like um, not quite water, but air that was hard to walk through. Hmm. So, um, and I thought it was cool how I kind of, uh, I wouldn't say I didn't, I, I didn't have any particular um, a PC in mind, but I knew that there were like folks that could fire 50 million arrows or whatever. So I wanted to kind of level the playing field a little bit and have a challenging environment for them so instead of just walking into a room and then they just kill everything. Uh, and it's just a blank room with no features that make it interesting. This was a, um, for them, not a three-dimensional fight, but for the enemies it was, because they could be anywhere in the, you know, up and down and in all three dimensions, because for them it was like flying, or they're either, they were aquatic creatures, but they were um, in, for them, an aquatic environment, but at the same time for the players, they could breathe it. And it made the it made it hard for the players to move, but the the enemies could move very well. It had some advantages. So, um, and I had a, I had about five or six rooms that were built in a similar fashion, where the environment was against the players. One uh, in one of them, they walk in, and then uh, soon after that, they walk in, um, half the floor falls out. And um, the floor is kind of a spiral, broken spiral toward a central location. But as they're walking is when it falls out. So they have to avoid falling into an abyss. And um, the enemies don't have any problem getting to them because of, I can't remember what the reason was, but they didn't have any issues. But the players had issues getting, uh, navigating the room. And then they had to deal with uh, various different kinds of um, enemies. So it was very tactical and challenging for the players. They were, at the end of the day, they were like, oh, that, that was very challenging and fun because of that. Uh, on, the seat, on the edge of their seat, and uh, that's the kind of thing, if I was to run any more third edition, for uh, mid to high level, it would end up being like that, where they you'd ha you have to bring the environment to bear and not just the enemies in like an open field. And, oh, you see them over there and they see you and you run to each other and blah, blah, blah which is kind of boring. Yeah, that, that is pretty boring pretty fast. Yeah. I'll say that. Right. Um, are you are you playing in any one of any of Randy's games right now or no? Yeah, we're playing uh, Friday, uh, Saturday. We're playing Saturday night. Okay. Uh, do you guys uh, are if you don't mind me asking, does he run like a old school game or a second edition D and D or what? 
we're playing old school. So it's a, a homebrew rules, but it's essentially Beck me with some changes. And we're just okay. uh, we're fiddling with some rules and we're trying to make our own thing. And uh, we're not game designers, so who knows how long it's going to take, or even if we end up doing anything. But it'd be cool if we could nail down something interesting. Yeah, not just a, not just another OSR clone because there's plenty of those already. Yes, I I was going to buy yeah uh, OSE and darker dungeons and a bunch of other stuff and i started looking at it and i'm like let me just buy the rule cyclopedia i had one of those it's pretty harder. cheap it hard is. hardback is really a good deal 20 bucks i think is what i got for mine and i love chapter five chapter five is the equipment chapter that has the the combat mate not the combat majors but the combat uh for all of the, your various arms how much damage you do at each proficiency level Right, right. For the yeah, weapon mastery or whatever I they call love it. Love that chart. Well, I love the idea. I'm not necessarily like so. Uh, uh, a scimitar, long sword, uh, rapier, uh, all the swords that are fairly similar in length and weight and all that. I know that they're slightly different in their employment in the real world. You know, scimitars are slightly different and have a different uh, martial style to them. But making them out to be radically different on, in the game is kind of weird. It's different between slashing and piercing is really the only difference that should be in camp and, and game. And, yeah, and bludgeoning. Yeah. And missile weapons, stuff like that. Piercing. Right, yeah. right, 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 right. So... Uh, I think that that giant list could be could be simplified and perhaps as a player you could or as you could design it so that you have some flexibility as a player and you can pick different uh different things you can do with your weapons instead of every every um do with a longsword does exactly the same thing um which is a it's okay i mean it's a game so you can only have so many options but uh it's a little boring if if you, like, only, if you only do one, if long, everybody with a long sword has all the same stats. Yeah. I don't mind everybody having the same stats, but I like uh, the, uh, what is the word for it? Not customizing, but if you're playing, let's say you're playing a swast buckler, you want a, you don't want a long sword or short sword. Do you want a um, scimitar? Yes. Uh, Falchion or, or something of that nature. Like or that. if you're playing a fighter right slash paladin, you want a long sword or a short sword or a great sword. It, the cosmetics, I like changing. Yes, they all do the same. Not all of them, but there are a lot of the main middle sword range does the same damage. It's like a 1d8 plus strength, or if you got finesse, it's 1d, 1d8 plus your dex, whatever. But the uh, it, they. Hmm. If your character looks like he should have a rapier, then he should have a rapier. If your character should look like he should have a falchion, then he have a falchion. If the sets are no difference between those four swords, I don't, you know, and it's just cosmetic. I normally just let the players go with it. I don't. Yeah, care. if you're talking the difference, different something different between a dagger and a and a sword and a great yeah. sword. Yeah, I mean, if it does, yeah, warhammer. Yeah, yeah. Although I can see those ha having some differences there. Well, I think with like a Warhammer, you have 
what blunt and piercing, blemishing and piercing. Depends on if it has a spike at the end. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where like a great sword still just slashing, uh, great axe is just slashing. Yeah, there's a couple of uh, more versatile weapons that have one or two, or have two different uh, slashing, piercing, or whatever piercing. Right. Or, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, here recently, like in last year or last sometime last year, I was in Bruce's campaign, and for shits and giggles, my character picked up a trident just because I've never played a character that had a trident before. I'm like, why not? I mean, they have range, they have distance on them, they have range on them. I can throw them, and I'm like, okay, I can make this work. Sure. And trident or military fork are probably about the same thing. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. It's an odd kind of probably clunky weapon in real life, but you're playing a game, so who cares? Yeah, that's the main thing. As long as I don't have somebody at the table want me to roll percentage die on what side of the dagger hits the guy when I throw it, I don't care. I mean, it's... Sure, sure. It's fantasy. Sure, and if the hilt... I mean, that's that's a miss. I mean, (laughs) that's if if you hit and you do damage, you hit him with the pointy end. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've been hit by a hilt in the face. It, it hurts. It doesn't. It won't kill you, but you right. still won't feel good. Right. 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 It'll probably ring your bell. Yeah. Um. No. In Bruce's campaigns, I think some of my favorite players that he, I, I think my favorite, his favorite type of character for me to play is what my throwers. Yeah, they're pretty solid. I will. Be a fighter that has in Pathfinder uh, throw anything where I will throw great swords, great axes, basically wherever I can get my hands on and throw it at the enemy. I just need to learn the trick of putting string on it so I can pull them back. So, you know, I have a weapon for next time. Or yes, because you have disarmed yourself. Yeah. Get a follower that's a monk that has to throw anything. Me and him are just like juggling weapons at the bad guys. I, 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 don't, I haven't figured uh, that out. There's, there is some, albeit a, uh, niche uh, precedent for that. There's a um, I'm trying to remember the name of the author, but there's a a book. Uh, the main character's name is Valentine. And he the first book he um, he has amnesia and uh, he finds himself with a, a circus troupe and he learns how to juggle and not just normal juggling it's kind of magical they can juggle anything and um under any circumstances so it's uh, he learns a really um fan- fantasy version of uh juggling and ends up doing pretty much that juggling weapons around at the very end kind of a uh uh the climax of the book or the or the story arc was he was uh um, in line for the throne, and he was. Uh, it's, it's not I guess, the magip- Magipore cycle, is it? It might have been. Might have been. Lord Valentine's Castle. Yeah, yeah. Was that it sounds right. Lord, Lord Valentine's Castle. Shit, another book to put on my list. Okay. So yeah, and uh, so he learned how to juggle with folks with like four or six arms, and kept and ended up figuring out how to keep up with them, and. Uh, um, so once he went to take his throne back, his uh, his uh, brother or cousin or uncle or whatever who deposed him and then 
either put a curse on him so he couldn't remember or whatever it was and started throwing things at him and he would catch it and juggle them and throw them back and yeah yeah i, I like i i mean i if i'm sitting at a table that you know and i i even run i even tell my players this if i'm sitting at a table where i plan on running a serious campaign i'm like hey guys I know I'm just as bad at bringing some bullshit characters out there just to see how it works, but please keep in mind this is a serious theme campaign. And if I got a DM that tells me the same thing, I normally try to play more serious, useful characters than my, you know, I don't want to say they're bullshit characters because most of my uh, characters I build tend to work one way or the other. If they don't, I'll maneuver them enough to work by third level. They'll be, you know, be able to work. But I think players and the I think DMs and players personally should have fun with it. You know, I don't know if this will work, but what did, what am I going to lose? Right, right. It's just a character on a piece of paper, so right. Let's roll, let's roll with it. See how how it works out. Yeah, yeah. And you might really enjoy that alter ego. You might really fall into it, and the, the party might find a lot of good interactions with him. Right. Yeah. Um, we're closing down on two hours here, and Joe, I don't know if you got to work tomorrow. I do. I was about to um, bow out myself. Would you do me a favor and uh, instruct our chat on what you do and where they can find you, and I'll put a link to your channel in the chat. Yes. Uh, I and my friend Randy host Biggest Geekus. It's a weekly, now live-streamed pod, uh, live-streamed video on YouTube. Uh, then we take the audio and put it in podcast format and, uh, it's a, uh, tabletop role-playing game discussion review type show. Um, also I more, more frequently me than Randy, but we try to show up on, uh, the Legion of Myth, um, Friday chill stream. Sometimes we host gatekeepers. Um, and I'm going to try to get out and visit various podcasts that we are all kind of in the, a, a loose network, we can call it. I, I, I think that's a really good way to put it because all of us seem to have the same mindset where we want to run good games or we want to partake in good games. And that seems to be the one uniting factor that, that seems to have gotten us under this banner is the fact that there's a lot of things coming out now that we don't really agree with. And while we don't, you know, we're not the type of guys to be like, how dare you play a game like that? We don't, we don't really do that, but we don't want to partake in those games. I don't want to be a barista. I don't want to role play as a septic tanker driver. I do that at my job every day. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. And um, the prevailing kind of, and it's, it's a minority of people. But uh, usually the minority of people drive the, you know, lemmings around. And uh, they're they've got the um, they've got people by the short hairs and telling uh, these game companies how they should do things. And you know they're actually part of the game company, so they're kind of imposing a worldview into the game, and which is weird. Um, you know uh, that's why I don't give any money to Watsi. I don't give any money to Paizo and anybody like them. I keep my money to myself. I, I stopped doing that years ago. Yeah. They don't. They don't need my money. They don't miss it either. Really, to be honest, okay. they're only going to. They're, they're only. But, and I, I firmly believe this is something that I 
agree with that. I, I listened to Eric July uh, for Cannon's sake. I love Eric July, and, he, and he's one of the best minds. I can't wait for his comics to hit. Yeah, I'm going to be backing them. I'm actually a member of his uh, site as well. Okay. Um, so um, the only way to change the direction these companies are going is to get enough people to pull their money out of them. I don't know if that's possible because a lot of people, if a book has the, the D&D moniker on it, they'll buy it. They don't care. It says d and I'm buying it. Yeah. And yeah. And you know, if that's what you want to do with your money, that's fine. But I if cook. You, I mean, if, yeah. If, but if the only way we're going to get them to change is for them to feel it in their wallets. Oh yeah. But yeah. the, the other thing to do is to provide competition, which is a different way of doing it. You, you, you get enough good competition for these other companies then people will divert their money to the competition and then they'll fill it in their wallet somewhat. I don't know how that'll work out, how that play out. It may not play out very well because you, people really are hard to move in mass. Yeah. So, I agree with that. but I think as a group, as long as uh, we have um, something we can do, we don't need to worry about being the biggest game in town. Or, or running the biggest game in town. We don't have to run Wizards of the Coast version of D&D, but we can do our own thing. Yeah, and that, that, that really hits on one of the... You didn't mean to, I'm sure, but like I mentioned it last night, the game masters at the tables have all the control because they're the ones up to put all the content from the purchase modules or campaigns, and they're the ones that are able to filter out things they see on tumblr or twitter if they even go to those sites or they can just create a fun world and narrative for their players to enjoy and it might or it might not have the elements they that the popular culture wants us to adopt but that's going to be up to each individual table how is that game master going to run and therefore the game masters truly have all the power they right. don't realize it but they do Mm -hmm. I agree. I mean, I, I guess I'm the odd man out here on this one. Is I don't, I will probably won't buy anything out of second edition Pathfinder because I just don't like the system anymore. But I'll buy modules out of 5e or Pathfinder, or whatever. And as long as I have a group that will run the same rules, because I'm just looking at the story, I'm not looking at the mechanics of the game, I'm just looking at the story. And if I think it's a good enough story to run, and I think my people will enjoy it, I'll run it. Even if it is a fucking Anne Rice novel that I turned into a you know a campaign. If I think my players will enjoy it, I'll fucking run it. And but, I, I'm, I am, with bated breath, I wait for you to run either your version of Blazing Saddles <laughs> or Shades of Grey. Oh, my God. I'd be down oh. for Blazing Saddles, that's for sure. Blazing Every Saddles. That could be that could be done. Um, I know it won't be allowed on YouTube, but it could be done. <laughs> Where are all the white women at? <laughs> yeah. I love that movie so much. Um, I love Mel Brooks. He he's he's creeping up in age. He's at he's at the ninety at the big nine oh, I think. 
So, you know, we got to put a protective wall around him and Gilbert Gottfried. I didn't realize that before this week, but oof. He, oh, Gilbert yeah, Gottfried has been looking – he's getting – he hasn't looked good for a long time. No. Well, he didn't really start in a good place. No, yeah, that's not sure. really. <laughs> no. But, but, um, yeah. I, I think um, the world has lost its sense of humor. And if, if I, a Christian, can watch The Life of Brian or – um, blazing saddles and laugh. Uh, the nut jobs we have out now should be able to as well. Oh God, yeah. I yeah, mean, pretty much agree. Shit, dark version of Willy Wonka in the factory. Uh, Willy Wonka, you know, any book or in and I have talked to Max about this. I don't mind stepping into somebody else's IP if there's enough room to run something there. I don't have that great of imagination, but what I do have. Is like I, I know how to torque things the way I want them to work. I can't be, I will never be one of the world great world builders in this in this community that we have. Mm. But if you give me a big enough sandbox and it's something you already build and you're not gonna be pissed off that I play in it, we can have some fun. Right. A lot of IPs uh, can serve as a good backdrop and you don't have to worry about uh, screwing things up or whatever. Right. Um that's we're, we're we're covering 13th age for I don't know how long, but at least at least two more episodes are going to be on. Well, at least one more episode is going to be on 13th age, maybe two or more. And um, I think that their their back uh, their background, their setting, there's some detail there, but there's just enough to work with, but not enough to get in your way. And um, they uh, say throughout the book, you know, use what you like, don't use what you don't like. They even at the, um, in one section, they say, because um, 13th Age is uh, um, an OGL um, uh, game. Mm -hmm. So um, it has, third. excuse me? It, it's derived off third edition. Somehow. Third and fourth. And, um, and uh, so there are, three or four or five different elements that they say, these are things you can, you can use from our game uh, in your game without worry. And uh, I don't like some of them anymore. Uh, one of them is escalation die. And when you enter combat second round, you put the escalation die on once a D six and all the PCs get plus one to all the rolls. And it just goes up from there every, every round. And to me, that and something called relationship die within the game, they end up making the game very pro PC. So um, the the PCs have a very have the deck stacked in their favor to a large degree. I mean, the monsters are still dangerous. Yeah, but um, it's it's really stacked in their favor. So you're you are the hero by default instead of aspiring to become one and perhaps becoming one or not, depending on your proclivities. That that does sound interesting, but at the same time, I'm I'm not a fan of just just because you're a good guy, we're gonna give you a plus one. And it goes up by one every round. I, I don't yeah I don't yeah. Yeah. I don't um, like that either. That's really heavy handed. Well they do fashion their monsters they've said in a way that takes it into account so that the first round or two, you're probably not going to be hitting, but their bonus to hit isn't great e either. 
compared to your armor class. So maybe it'll be whiffing on both sides, or maybe they'll hit you a couple of times, and then round two, second round, third round, fourth round, you're going to start hitting. And uh, so I think it solves. It's trying to solve a problem that um, had occurred in probably third and fourth, and probably Pathfinder too, which is long combats. And you have a lot of hit points. You might nickel and dime each other to death, and it takes forever. And this was, in their mind, a way to speed combat. So it that's what I call the escalation die. So hopefully within six rounds, you have dealt with the enemy. Now it only goes up to a plus six? It goes up to a plus six and stays there. Unless, you know, there's some higher level monsters that can bump the escalation die all the way down back to the beginning or knock it back one some some monsters can use the escalation die too but not very many i think dragons can but um yeah so it's a it's 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 a style of play um which is you're the hero it's assumed not necessarily the good guys you, you can still be bad evil but you're you're the uh, protagonist of the story you're the most you're you're important you're somebody instead of aspiring to become somebody and i'm fine with having um, a game system where you start out fairly competent instead of incompetent like in basic dnd where you can barely do anything uh, and uh it's a different style of play and you start out fairly competent but you're not necessarily the hero yet you still have to um, prove yourself through your actions, whether you're a hero or not, or the hero of the story, or just worthy of anybody's attention. Gotcha. Yeah, it was an old D&D. I cast my one spell for the day. I quit. I'm going to bed. Or if you're a cleric, you don't even have a spell. Yeah. And uh, on Gatekeepers, that wasn't last night. That was the night before? No, it was last night. Last night, the, the one fellow um, suggested... Uh, uh, Lamentations of the Flame Princess. Mm -hmm. And I downloaded it and I'm like, everybody but the fighter only has at most plus one to hit. Yeah. Everybody on the planet. Yeah, that that, that really spotlights the fighter as this is a... This yeah, is a but, it, but you, the implications of it are kind of stupid. It it doesn't make sense to me either. I, no. I'm, I'm fairly in that camp where yeah. wait, Every, the fighter gets this. Every dwarf, no matter how many battles they've been in, are no more competent at fighting than a wizard. That doesn't work. Yeah, I mean, they might have a strength bonus, but that wizard could have a strength bonus, especially with the way um, your stats are determined. I mean, you roll straight down the line and you switch one if you need to. So that wizard could have... I mean, there's no telling what your strength is. It's pretty, it's pretty random. Right. So, and I... I didn't I don't think that you get stat boosts from your race. I don't think so. I didn't look too closely at it. But oh yeah, you do. And they get a con boost. Uh dwarfs do. So they don't even get a strength boost. So uh a human and a dwarf are like is not to have fairly equivalent chance of having a decent strength. What no matter what class you are. So it's kind of weird. I mean it's a different style of play. And I guess the, instead of giving the fighters um, like class features, they decided to just let them have all the attack bonus. And it only goes up to plus nine. 
no matter what level. And it, it's a 20 level game. So mm. you can go one to 20, but the, the bonus to hit goes up to plus nine at ninth level, I think, and stays there. So I don't know. It's just a different game. That's, that's very different. Yeah. I know a lot of people like it, and that's fine. Um, they took out a lot of the um, damage dealing spells. So there's no, except for magic missile. And that fella, he did not give accurate information. He said that you can cast whatever spell. They didn't have levels, but that's not true. Really? They're it has just first and ninth level, level, level spells, just like regular D&D. Okay. So it might, there might be like a modification to the rules from um, one of the other two stupid sounding um, uh, supplements. Okay. Like vaginas or magic or whatever it's called. Stupid. And uh, <laughs> yeah. No, those are actual supplements there. Yeah, yeah. Well, I believe you. I, I, I have no doubt in my mind yeah. those are real things. He doesn't but, seem like the type of person would just say that without yeah. it being a thing. You in know, a, I could be wrong, but... In a world where there's a game <laughs> called Thirsty Sword Lesbians, <laughs> anything's possible. Right. So, uh, yeah. Uh, um, I think there's some interesting... Um, spells that they have in there. There's one called uh, 20 Fishes, or no, 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 Strange Water. Weird, weird thing about it is it's called Strange Water 2. There's not a Strange Water 1. It's just Strange Water 2. Hmm. But basically, you summon a sphere of water, and it has 20 fish in it, and it immediately falls to the ground. And you eat the fish, and each fish gives the person a weird ability, and you roll on a random table. And it goes from anything from um, being poisoned and die to having a plus six on your strength, like a and um, for a short time. And uh, you can eat more than one fish, and then it's kind of a potion missability table kind of thing going on. But it's a it's a odd spell, but it's it's a cool sounding spell, but it's odd. That could that was <laughs> that could be cool. I mean, I mean it's a food source. Yeah, you eat a whole fish, so maybe you don't starve that day, but and you get a you might get a power, and the you might not starve. Dying that. is like the only yeah. big hiccup I have there. That's a hiccup. Yeah, you roll a one on the d twenty, you die. And I don't think there's a saving throw. Fuck. So. I I I like. Some of the ideas that he was talking about with lamentations, but I'm not pulling the trigger on it yet. I'll, I'll find the the, the drive-through link tonight. And yeah, it's it free, so it's not not it's nothing but a little short read that uh, you're you're sacrificing there. So yeah, I'll check it out. I'll take a look at that. I I, I found a library of old dragon and old dungeon magazines. So right now I'm just kind of sucking those up and enjoying like. First and second edition Dungeon Magazine was just amazingly good. It was a great resource. Yeah, and and you didn't have to run the whole module. You could just borrow bits or a cavern mm -hmm. or a map here or a couple of The maps alone. There. Yeah. Yeah. That was worth it almost because back then we didn't have a whole lot of real sources. You, your, your releases from Dragon or from uh, TSR were not that frequent. And you had another company that was uh, endorsed by them called Judges Guild. Mm -hmm. But their art and a lot of their art design was really third-hand. 
and it didn't look good. Judges Guild, the first edition of Judges Guild, yeah, yeah. I, I looked at some. Um, I know a lot of people talk about the um, the Mega Dungeon thing that they put out. Um, they what's put it out called? a couple big ones. Uh, Dark uh, Dark Tower. Uh, There's one for Five E, uh, the Mad Mage under the mountain, the Mad Mage under the mountain that has a super fucking dungeon. That's that's Forgotten Realms dungeon. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Every uh, was it every square is ten. Uh, if a square, one square is supposed to be five by five. Uh, one, uh, normally, its square is ten by twenty. Uh, ten, and I was like, "Would you mind drawing that out?" And I think my response was, "You can go fuck yourself." <laughs> that's great. Well, the, back in the day, the Judges Guild thing had it wasn't Empire of the Petal Throne. It was a another one that has uh, in the last few years the. They got the guy, the judges guild folks kind of got a bat, um, kind of got poo pooed all over because of naughty poo poo words that they said. Oh, and, no. you know, they might have been, you know, not good people, but everybody was saying, don't, don't get that. I'm trying to remember the name of it. Um, I, I know what you're talking about. The, the sun, Invisible I, Overlord. Yes. City State, the Invisible Overlord. Yeah. 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 And the first edition of that, or the early edition of that, the maps were kind of crude, not very well done. Yeah. The whole, the whole product was kind of, like a, um, I don't know if you've seen first. old mimeographs. It was the first from back in the day. From the back in the day, yeah, it was the first. It was before Greyhawk became really Greyhawk. Well, I mean the the old books, the D Dungeons and Dragons, uh, old D and D little little booklets. Uh, they don't have high production value. No, um, but I think um, the problem we have these days is we have high production value books. Which drives up the price, makes them nice and shiny. People want to go buy them because the art is interesting. And then, is the content really that good? Apart from those things, um, is it, it, well, if you like their creative direction, well, maybe you think it, it's it, it, that's a guess. But for me, um, their current uh, creative direction is a big no, even if it's high production value, which it is. Uh, probably not good editing because that has been the curse of this hobby since um, forever. <laughs> <Never. laughs> yeah. Hey, we have we have an index. Yeah, your index is a pile of crap. Oh, I mean, I have I don't know too many. Even the even my Hackmaster book is bad editing job. It's, but you know that's a small operation. <laughs> I've uh, definitely joked where I have a horrible case of ADD, which it, it screws up my grammar and texting or reading anything I wrote is just a horrible nightmare for anybody, including myself from time to time. Uh, and I pick up some book that's horribly edited. I'm like, you know, my writing makes more sense than this nonsense. <laughs> I get that. But um, yes, uh, biggestgeekistpodcast.com is where is our website. We are on YouTube. We are on MeWe, uh, all the social media places that are big, you know, Twitter, um, Facebook, uh, Odyssey, though I have to update our our uh, video um, um, videos there because I haven't posted a video there in a while. So I've got to get our videos caught up on Odyssey. It'll take you a bit to get that, but you should be fine. Odyssey, yeah. is a good site. I'm I'm liking them more and more. Yeah, well, they, they 
you don't have to worry about um, this whenever you start a video that there's an ad that pops up or halfway through. I mean, some people rely on that for, for revenue, but it sure is annoying. Um, yeah. There's ways to get revenue on Odyssey without without that. Not you can get tipped that. and whatnot directly from your folks that, that like your content. So if I were to tune into the chill stream tomorrow night, I'd probably see you and Randy at some point, wouldn't I? It's possible. Although um, being on here tonight might preempt me from being on tomorrow night. So I understand. Um, I have, I'm old and have very, uh, have few, um, um, a few spare minutes to uh, do this after hours, but I try. Okay. I don't want to get in trouble with the missus. I, I know that much. Uh, right. I told her that I've been summoned. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, uh, I will, I will do my best to not, uh, not cause too much ruckus tomorrow night in the chat. I I do want to thank you and Andy for coming on tonight and Blaine as well. And when Andy and Blaine get their channels up and running, we'll be the first to proclaim their locations and link them from the mountaintops uh, from deep in an underground bunker underneath a nondescript building deep in the heart of Texas. I do want to thank everybody for showing up to the Bruce Lombardo live stream for Table Breakers episode 12. Thank you so much, everybody in the channel, in the, the channel, in the chat, and in the panel. Did I? Anyway, thank you so much for showing up. <laughs> we, we will be here next Thursday night with another topic of uh, unknown origin, and we will see you then and in other fun locations. Thank you so much. <laughs>